welcome to a Jake exclusive episode of Behind the Edge podcast. I'm your host Jake, and today I will take your snake while I bake a cake. Well, specifically, <laughs> Skies. Our guest for this episode is Sky Bowron. Welcome, Sky. Hello. Okay. All right, I'm gonna hand Hi. it over to Echo for housekeeping. All right, for uh, for housekeeping, uh, I don't really have anything to say except for that we're um, doing a mini episode. Uh, that should air Wednesday, hopefully, depending on if um, the people participating in it actually get all their stuff in. Um, so that's just going to be a small mini episode um, where people talk about, you know, uh, knives, basically. Uh, with So that's going to involve all of our um, uh, Patreon patrons. And so if you want to be involved with that, you can. If you uh, end up donating uh, before... Uh, Tuesday so if you want to do that you can um, it's gonna be a fun time should be like a small 45 minute episode so that's that on housekeeping um, and no one emailed us so no one yeah, emailed us. Emailed. I'm no really email. disappointed I mean, in all of you just send anything <laughs> Charlie Tat Jim I mean let me come on I'll do one final check um, yeah check I don't now. Well, I'm gonna email yeah. you guys nope. something out of pity. No, no emails. <laughs> no emails. Like uh, a pity mail. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Unfortunately, no emails. But you know, email us because we love talk. Like last week, we did. Um, you know, we looked at Tat's little Fed Smoker video, so it's always fun to do emails. <laughs> oh, so, right. Yeah. Uh, that was an interesting. Uh, one. But you can email us at um, behindtheedgepod at gmail dot com. So. All right, pocket dumps. Let's do it. So we're starting off with our guest. What's up, Sky? What do you have? Oh, okay. Well, uh, I took it out of my pockets, but on my desk I have my Oz Machine Company Roosevelt number twenty, and my Great Eastern Cutlery number thirty-five calf pen with the glow in the dark knife bright covers because it's cool. What the heck's all this weird crap you have? <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm kidding. All right, so. Tell us more about that Roosevelt. So number 20, is that like you got the 20th one? Or? Yeah, it's serial number 20, so there were mm -hmm. 19 before, and it's the <laughs> maker's first folder, so it's literally the 20th folder he's ever made, which is pretty cool. Is it good? Oh, it's quite How's good. How's he doing so far? He's doing great. His book's filled up super fast, and now they're closed, and you probably won't be able to get back on until like the end, of the end of the year kind of thing. Uh, it's got wow, this hey. really neat double detent ball system that makes the detents super crisp and just perfect mm -hmm. hmm. you'll have to find a picture of it so we can post that on the website i mean yeah. he just he just uploads a picture of it to his instagram like every other day <laughs> now well, when you know. say double detent you mean i mean like... it has two detent balls instead of one not like open and closed detent right so, so like it's just for the opening yeah. they're both for opening yeah and there's just two detent holes yeah, in the blade. Exactly. What's what's the benefit of having two opening detents? Like it's just, there's just more like more detent. It's double <laughs> the detent. Quite literally. I think the main okay, reason just for more it detent to is exist more good. is so that you can't shake the blade out. Mm -hmm. It's you literally can't. Mm -hmm. But it's not too strong. No, no, not at all. It's like super crisp and perfect. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. Now the other interesting thing about this one is, um, so it is ABL, right? Yeah, it's ABL. And how how has it been for you, like in use? Uh, it it scratches really easily, <laughs> <laughs> and the edge kind of dies really quickly, but it drops back super quickly as well. So 
uh-huh. it's fine. Like it's probably the nicest knife I have to sharpen. Um, nicer than Ardreal 34 even. Did you end up Rockwell testing it or I did have you not? not done that yet? I, I locked okay. the pivot screw in and then forgot to do it, so I didn't want to take it back out. <laughs> yeah. But it's well, quoted I mean, sixty sixty one yeah. from Peters. Who's Peters? Okay, yeah. yeah. Just kidding. Alright, dope. Sorry. And then you have you're carrying two knives, which is something oh. you pretty regularly do, right? Yeah, I, I pretty much every day carry two knives, like a modern folder and a traditional folder. Mm-hmm. So, um, tell us about this GEC in Knife Bright. Okay. Well, it's a two-blade traditional slip joint, except the the main blade, which is a Warncliffe, has a liner lock. Uh, and the secondary blade, which is like a spay, it has this notch cut out of the tip, <laughs> which is kind of like an Emerson Wave, and it lets you like open it with using the seam of your pocket. That's very modern-ish. It's yeah, you see. really That's weird. weird traditional. Uh, and this also glows in the dark, right? Yeah, the scales glow in the dark, which is awesome. Uh, the okay. the one arm opening thing supposedly came around because so many people lost arms in the uh, in the war that they uh, needed to so add even that. <laughs> so at the heart they're still like traditional. Yeah, exactly. Right, and it also um, the yeah, the center liner comes up extra far, and it's like a Pry bar. <laughs> it's like the weirdest slip joint ever, but it's cool. Is is that also 1095? Yeah, uh, the liners, I'm not sure. I think the liners okay. are just like probably probably not 1095, but I don't think they're, they're not stainless for sure. Yeah, we mm-hmm. need to make up like a story for GEC. Be like, yeah, back in the day they used Vanax for uh, when soldiers <laughs> like needed to do whatever and then we just convince them to make like not 1095. But they like, use 440C sometimes. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> I mean, 440C is fine. But... 440C is good. Speaking uh, of GC, Jake, what are you carrying? I have acquired Tat's whaler. This is my <laughs> whaler now. Um, I really like the one blade on it. The other one can go rotten hell. Yeah, I can confirm that. <laughs> but the... What's wrong with the other blade? Well, um, every time I pull it out, it feels like my fingernail is going to rip off. Um, oh really? Yeah. Uh, if I want to open it comfortably, I have to use a pair of pliers. <laughs> really? <laughs> yes. Closing it's not comfortable either because it's no. like super thin. So, I, so I actually the... use a table to close it. <laughs> <laughs> what's the appeal of the whaler? It seems like everybody's been raving about it in the Discord okay, lately, and so I just don't care about it. <laughs> one, most traditionals are like uh, the handles typically too short for me. This okay. one has plenty of space. Um, to the blade. Holy crap! This thing can slice. Oh yeah, it is, it's mm-hmm. so so thin behind the edge. It's amazing. Um, mm-hmm. I also just like the way it looks, personally. Um, this one's in the desert uh, ironwood, so it's, it is very silly looking. It almost looks like it's been photoshopped. It's so it's, so good. I, I I love it. It's it's fantastic. I literally um, had people yeah. like say that I photoshopped the image to make it bigger when I posted it the picture does of look it. Like it. I'm working on so. trying to find someone to remove the second blade so that the ergos aren't crap. But yeah, so, so that's gonna be good. <laughs> this is a, yeah, um, I don't know if you were if you paid attention to this part in the Discord echo, but um, the whaler has a bit of like a, a mythological aspect right now. Um, what does that mean? So the, we well we have a uh, conehead man, right? 
That guy, that's oh, legendary. Oh, oh. So if Sky wants to share how we how we discovered Conehead, uh, yeah, I've seen that. I, I was there when that happened. Posted an ISO on a Facebook group for a whaler, the same same model that Jake has with the iron wood covers. And this guy DM'd me a couple hours later and sent me some pictures. He had two of them, one in the ironwood and one with the uh, muscle bone. And his reflection was in one of the bolsters, and it was all, like, squished and super funny looking. And he looks like one of the Conehead aliens from the movie. And I'm pretty sure he wasn't wearing clothes. No, he was. He was obviously shirtless. shirtless at a minimum. (laughs) You can see in the photo that he's... Very shirtless. Uh, <laughs> Very shirtless. That became a meme in our Discord. Very so. It's an emote now. Yeah, it's literally yeah. an emote. <laughs> Conehead. Um, but yeah. that, that's pretty awesome. The other thing that's interesting about the whaler, isn't it 01? No. No, it's 1095. Jeez, he hasn't well, done 01 in like six years, I want to say. And it was only for the farm and field stuff. I see. Yeah, I mean, I like the GEC stuff, man. I mean, I want... So I want, you know... A slippy soon because as you know i'm buying some uh pocket slips oh um, god i forgot so <laughs> how did you forget yeah, we'll, that's like the highlight we'll talk, of my year the we'll fact that brian that, got someone uh, to do that let's talk about that on brian's pocket dump sure i feel like that's, yeah yeah sure so you can go ahead um so i carried the uh alamic swish today you know because i got that recently i only brought two knives home since i'm on spring break i brought my spreco manix 2 and my Olamic Swish. I didn't want to bring too many knives home because I didn't want to be carrying like, you know, several. I didn't want to be carrying like a thousand dollars in knives like in my backpack and then just like I don't know, lose them. I didn't feel like bringing my entire Pelican case because that's just stupid. Um, so is it I'm just now? gonna do? Well, it's stupid to me because I don't. I don't, if I'm only staying home for a week, like I don't want to bring everything. And people do that but at play show for a weekend. People do do that. <laughs> That's uh, but that's Blade Show though. Like, yeah. this, I'm just at home. Like I don't know. It's just rather. Plus, it gives me more time to experience my Swish and see experience if I do love it or not. It. Well, like use it, you know, because every day I usually <laughs> I, switch I know, but you, you just made it sound like it's uh <clears throat> It is an experience. It's an experience, you know? yeah. Um, but yeah, I like the knife a lot. Um, the action, you know, it's not it's not amazing. Also, I do think that the um, uh, stop pin is moving around. I feel like it, it definitely has moved. So that's kind of unfortunate, but it's not like awful really. Like, you know, like I think sometimes it moves back and forth where sometimes it'll move and it'll, it'll start to contact the, uh, the um, titanium scale on one side, but then it'll like move back in and then it won't anymore. Is that the so one that know. Will had that he sent yeah. in? And, oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, on the right, yeah. So I'm, I'm, I keep, you know, I'm like, do I send it in for warranty? It doesn't really Again? make it that bad. Again, yeah, no. <laughs> well, see, the thing is, I, I've had a lot better luck with warrantying things than Will has. Right, yeah. I feel like, he has I feel like everything, warranty luck. everything Will sends in, um, just doesn't get fixed. I don't know why. I think it might be because I don't know. I'm not. Gonna, <laughs> It's too nice. just, I, it may, that's what I would say it would be, but I don't know. I'm not gonna. He's like, yeah, you, you, know, can, you can take any all the time in the world to fix it if you want to. Yeah. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> so we'll see. Um, it's not bad enough that I feel like really care to send it into warranty because it still works and there's no like blade play or anything. Uh, so I don't know. It's a little. It, that's an ugly part about it, but I, I didn't pay that much for it. So 
you know, I don't feel too bad. But yeah, that's my carry. So Vex, you want to oh, talk about? Oh yeah, forgot. <laughs> no, <laughs> you forgot. No, Space I'm carrying my Thorburn L44 compact. Um, it's the one that um, Jay says looks like a Charlie Brown shirt because it has that gold weird <laughs> stripe thing. But anyways, mm-hmm. I got a quick story because um, okay. our good friend Antic Seven, he uh he bought my old Thorburn, my very first Thorburn I ever had. I traded it for the knife, the L44 I'm carrying right now with um, Brian, R3, Raffle Guy, whatever his name is. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, Antic, um, he's a new man now. He's seen the light. Oh, because, oh, because he has the Thorburn? No, for real, he even told me, like, straight up, he doesn't understand why he buys anything just as expensive anymore. Because that knife <laughs> blows it out of the water. Hmm. Oh, really? I'm not even making I need this to up. Try a Thorburn. I need to try a Thorburn, because apparently they're like, Godsend of all knives, yeah. yeah. It's like um, you ascended when you. They are them. gorgeous. Uh, I know Jim sent one to the Discord today with some like I don't know blue twill carbon fiber or something yeah. like that, and that looks crazy. Um, I pass. just love blue. I love blue in general. I know you know it's not everybody's aesthetic. That's the thing about Thorber. I think that's the biggest reason people don't like them is because they're way too flashy and matrels. But they are pretty flashy, but they are all, apparently they're like great knives in general. So yeah, and stop buying them, guys. Um, Don't buy them anymore. Let me have them. All. <laughs> I was just joking. They're terrible. Okay, uh, Brian, what's your carry? What's good? Um, so I'm still carrying because this is the only functional knife I have at the moment. Um, well, right. that's not true. Wait, so what? I have two functional knives. So one functional knife I have is the Discord exclusive Gemini, which I don't carry because that's just sentimental purely for me. Um, you don't carry it, even though it's sentimental. Like I don't know. No, I, I, still carry I don't. Mine. I don't. I don't carry knives that are like sentimental that I didn't buy to use. Mm. So like when I buy a knife, I I but I decide beforehand: am I buying it because I want to use it or because it's like you know just like a memory? So for that, it's not really like I don't consider it to be part of like my mm-hmm. you know collection in the sense of like knives I'll use. Um, this one is the one that Jay sent me. So um, the GT mouse. So yeah, the, it's it's the only knife that works right now or isn't disassembled that I have, so that's why I'm carrying it. But uh I mean it's nice, like the construction is so good, but it's starting to show uh the telltale aspects of being D2. <laughs> so it's it's like pitting all over the blade. Um it lost its edge really quickly. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel like putting in the effort to like resharpen it like super nice. I was just like, you know what, whatever, apex it with one forty grit, I don't even care. And then just like <laughs> just like strop it and stuff and whatever. So it's just like a big toothy edge. Just yeah, it's just, just a big toothy. I'm just rough. using it to like saw things apart right now. Um, right. That's that's pretty much what I expect from D2 that's, anyway. That's that's the one that Jay donated, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So we'll you know, probably do I, something with that in the future. Yeah, I'll probably we, make something I'll for it. You know, break like, it. I'll probably make no. a new blade for it. I don't know if I want to really well give away D2. It's kind of not great. Yeah, well, basically, the, well, see, Sky, the, the agreement with Jay was that we can do whatever we, we want with it as long as Brian doesn't completely bore us, right. she said. So, <laughs> Is the, that was the still alive? Open, yeah, yeah, it's just disassembled. Oh, okay. He just, yeah, it's just, just I want to make a new blade alive. for it. <laughs> yeah, barely alive. <laughs> I didn't do well, anything to open L. Dude, he said he only he had one functional knife, and I got so worried for that open L. Well, <laughs> it's just disassembled because he's going to reblade it and rehandle it. So he's basically yeah. just taking the, making um, a new knife. the lock mechanism. I'm taking the, the, the V-block thing. Like the yeah, lock. Yeah, he's, he's taking yeah. the lock. 
Um, so explain your uh, leather stuff. You, you. Oh my. Oh. Okay. So there's there's a couple things here. So first oh, of all, before I decided what slippy I would get, I figured I'd need a slip. Um, Puzo was uh, on the on Nick Shabazz's Discord did a giveaway where he gave away a leather slip, like a leather pocket slip that had like the gem logo in, uh, carved in it. And I was like, dude, that's sick. Where can I get that? And he linked me to someone named Snappy EDC on Instagram. Mm -hmm. yeah. And um, I looked at Snappy's stuff and, you know, it occurred to me that um, I could just ask him to make what I want, you know? <laughs> so yeah. I went ahead, I DM'd him. I said, hey, your book's open. He said, yeah, sort of what you're looking for. I said, yeah, I need some cat girl uh, leather, leather pocket <laughs> slips. Oh. And he said, yeah, uh, you need like the word cat girl carved on it. And I was like, no, no, no. And I sent him a picture um, of a really cute one. And then uh, he was like, oh, I don't know if I can fit that. Like, that's a really big image. So, you know, I cropped it a little bit. And so that's what we agreed on is he's going to try to carve um, <laughs> some some very cute kawaii uh, catgirls on my that's probably on my gonna be That's probably going to be the most um, hard project he's taken on. Yeah. No, I mean, but if it, if it looks it good, then he'll, he'll get a lot of uh, orders probably. Yeah. He DM'd so, me after I mean, that and asked if I set him up. <laughs> yeah he's that's like i thought you were really involved with this i was like i'm not um, that's actually really funny no so brian once you posted that on uh instagram mm -hmm. i immediately went and asked him if he would make me uh some pen slips yeah yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Word. so i i actually had him uh he does some crazy stuff so yeah, oh, yeah snappy dc on Instagram, his book—he says his books are semi-open. I don't know what that means. I guess he—he he just takes orders on. As yeah, he probably wants. has time. Yeah, yeah. He's pretty um, pretty loaded up now. But the best thing is, is you can basically ask him to do like make something, and um, he'll he won't ask for payment up front. He basically doesn't ask for payment until he makes it, and he'll tell you when you're next in line on the books, so you can say yeah. Go ahead and make it, and they're cheap too. Well, so the pen cheap. slips, for the pen slips, he quoted me like uh, fifteen to twenty dollars, depending on you know how now, it ends up. I'm I'm good. afraid I'm I, I'm scared for him. Like I don't know if he fully understands the number of people who want cat girl slips. <laughs> so when uh, he makes well, mine, I'm going to ask him to make sure that he charges me how much it actually cost him in terms of time to make it. Because right, he's yeah. gonna he's gonna be getting more requests for them if it looks good, you know. I don't know if he's gonna get more requests for cat girls. So probably yes. get more uh, requests if for. If Brian's comes out good, you. I'm gonna ask for one too. <laughs> <laughs> I assure you, it's, I assure you, he um, will get more if it looks good. So. But I'm really excited, uh, especially for like getting like traditional stuff. It looks really he and he can dye the leather too. Like I'm getting my pen slip in blue, um, mm -hmm. so it's gonna look good. Yeah, I have like um, five different slips from him. And like a customized Swiss Army knife that he made for me, which is super cool. Oh, really? Yeah. That's really cool. Now, here's an interesting thing. So now that I am certain I'm going to get a leather slip, I need to get a slippy, right? Yep. Um, for We're going to get into this later, but for a long time, I've wanted a K390 slip joint made by Sky. But it's going to oh. be a little while before we can make it. So I want something to tide me over, you know, to fill that pocket slip before that happens. Um, so I've been looking around thinking, all right, who am I going to buy from? That's number one, right? Is like deciding who you're going to buy from, then what you're going to buy. Um, so I've been Is looking the at... the order you um, do it in? What do you mean? You you find a, a person who makes knives and then you're like, okay, I want something by them. And then you try no, to No, I mean a like a dealer or like, you oh, know, okay. someone I want to choose to buy. Because I'm going oh. to production right now. Um, so I want to think... Huh? Buy a calf pen. Mm, I don't want calf pen. What? 
<laughs> I don't want. I don't like glow in the dark stuff. You don't have to get um, glow in the dark. They have other. But, oh really? Yeah, there's like but black. I, I kind of want. I was what I was kind of thinking was um something along the lines of like, um you know like a JE or a Viper or something. I don't know. More like modernish. You okay. yeah sure. A Viper Vipers are nice. I but, would say um, probably I, I was considering so. Like the I watched Nick Shabazz's most recent video. I don't know oh. if it's the most recent. Maybe another one. But he had one on on the Lion Steel Bolus, right? Yep. And we all know like what we as a at least the podcast crew thinks about like Lion Steel's heat treat and stuff like that and whatnot. Um, but you know what I was thinking was he mentioned that um, Collector Knives was like having a bit of a rough time after that controversy with you know between LTK and Lion Steel, and you know a lot of people were like bashing on him because of that. So I was talking to Nick about that. And I thought, you know, yeah, in, in many ways, what Nick was trying to do was sort of balance the scales. Because when I was looking at the comments, in, some of them were a little bit unfair to Mike of Collector Knives. Um, some were fair, some weren't, right? But a lot of, but it did take on proportions that were much larger than the controversy um, at hand. So I was like, man, I feel a little bad. I'm going to look into Collector Knives. And I looked at his website. It is really cool, actually. I don't know how he is as a person. I've never talked to him, never bought from him before or anything, you know? I, I plan on calling just to see what their offerings are like, but one interesting thing about the Collector Knives website is they do an effort rating. Did you know that? Yeah, uh, I like that. That's really interesting. They, they list a lot of info. So it's part of the specs. So you know how there's like, when you have, when you buy a slip joint, there's a pull, and you rate it from 1 to 10? Yeah. So a 10 being a stronger pull, like, you know, a whaler pull, Impossible and then a 1, open. right, and a 1 being like it's flopping around because it's yeah. so easy to pull open. Um, so he'll actually rate it from one to 10, um, you know, and say like our opinion, the poll is about a six for this knife, right? Okay. Which I is see. good info. Um, another thing is he'll say the factory effort. So he'll compare it to other knives made by the same maker and say they put more effort into this model than this one. So he'll also mm -hmm. give that one a one out of 10. So he'll compare like, you know, a Viper mm -hmm. model to other knives in the Viper so catalog. Yeah. I actually have right now. I have it open. I'm looking at mm -hmm. it. So I'm looking at the Viper knives. So belly. Um, so oh, belly. basically, he's got a an asterisk uh, below his description. It says our opinion. Uh, the pull is a seven. The Viper effort on this run, as compared to their entire catalog, is nine. Action, which they have in parentheses, walk, which I guess I, they mean, you know, like pulling the knife out. Yeah, it's like the opening, handle. ease of opening. Uh, yeah, the action or walk is five on a scale of one to five, with five being gator snap and spring pressure is two pounds. So it looks like, yeah, it's kind of cool. You get kind of like a... I mean, uh, I, I appreciate the effort, you know? Like, some people are going to say, like, oh, that's just your opinion or whatever, but that's what he's saying. It is our opinion, right? Well, yeah, he's got, um, it's got an asterisk saying our opinion. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I think it's... Nothing. It's good to know what the dealer thinks. And, you know, if you have a relationship with the dealer over time, like you buy a lot of knives from them, you'll get a better idea of what their opinion like means in context. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, they said this was a nine before. Then if this is also a nine, then it'll be similar. You know, so you can. Right. You know, so th that is a benefit of like, in my opinion, that's intelligent from the perspective of if you want repeat customers and you give information that is somewhat subjective, but still useful then your repeat customers benefit from having a continued relationship with you. So you know, it looks so. like um, Collector Knives mostly sells like uh, slip joints and traditionals, yep. right? Yeah. Yeah, and uh, fixed blades. They do have a bunch of Medfords on here, though. <laughs> <laughs> Most traditional knife ever made. Yeah. They, uh, so they, <laughs> the knife is America, baby. You can buy so, a yeah. They're very American, like Collector's Knives. 
don't doesn't ship internationally, which is something that I don't personally like about their That's kind of messed up, honestly. Yeah, and they refuse to ship like proxy ship as well. Like if they figure out, find out that you're proxy shipping, they'll cancel your order. Wow. Really? I wonder why. <laughs> they just don't want to ship internationally. I don't know. Uh, the other that's, thing that I don't interesting, particularly but, okay. like is that they get a lot of GC exclusives that literally nobody else gets. So the 77 mm-hmm. Barlow pattern is like a collector knives only knife now. Nobody else gets the 77 Barlow. So they're they're super hard to get and super expensive on the secondary market. Hmm. Oh, but you see, that's no different from like any other exclusive, right? Oh, Regular. yeah. And I hmm. imagine does collector knives themselves like charge like an exorbitant amount for no, them? No, no, they, they, still... okay. they sell them at the normal price. It's oh, like... then that's fine. Yeah, that's fine. Huh. There's, there's nothing wrong with doing that then. Um, this, this is interesting. Uh, so they've got like uh, in their latest news information. This, well, this is kind of old. This is like, um, um, uh, sorry, July sixteenth of twenty nineteen. They have no more credit cards from reshipping customers. So they say, due to increased fraud via international reshipping customers. If we do not have an extensive history with you, we will cancel any orders paid by credit card. You can use PayPal or Bitcoin. Um, it is just too easy for international crooks to purchase with stolen credit cards and have the items forwarded out of the U.S. before the fraud is reported. Huh. Yeah. Okay, awesome. well, I mean, that's fair. They're like, trying their best is... to stop fraud, I guess, but I yeah, can't buy anything so. from it's them. It's still kind of a weird... <laughs> I don't know. I, th- right. I feel like that's a strange way to um, handle it. They have this really neat reserve system, actually, where you can reserve a knife ahead of time mm. which is useful because GEC drops are instant and they sell out instantly so you can get in there nice and early and get one reserve but so I did That's that cool. yeah. and then I realized I couldn't get it shipped to me so it didn't matter <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay so I, I think from your perspective as obviously an international um, customer that's that's obviously a problem yeah um, but I would say you know for a lot of people who are he- who are in the United States, um, I mean, the system overall works pretty well for them, right? Like yeah. oh, having the early reserve and, you know, exclusives and whatever and having the information like, you know, their opinion on the pull strength, stuff like that. I think it's a cool concept. Like I said, I have never talked to Mike or interacted with him ever. So I have no idea what he's like as a person. Um, I'm going to try to talk to him like tomorrow. But um, so, I mean, I will I reserve, you know, judgment until I talk to him. What I'm seeing right now is like the website looks pretty cool. Um the knives look cool. There's there's not like stupid pricing, and I like the idea of giving specs that are personal, right? right? Instead of just well, giving up entirely. So I think it's a pretty small company. I'm pretty sure it's basically, you know, I don't think it's many people. Like the about us is basically just the owner and his family, right? And you know, I don't want to get into the heat treat controversy and what happened, like the history of that. That would be a waste of time. Yeah. Uh, but what I do want to say is that you know, I think that as a dealer. He got some flack that wasn't like because you know what I'm saying? Like just because you did something that I don't like doesn't mean you deserve all of the flack you get, right? You only deserve flack for the things that are bad, right? Specifically. It'd be sort of like if you hit someone with a car and then someone's like, you know, mm-hmm. you did something else too. You know, it's like, well, you should only get blamed for hitting someone with a car. That's it, right? Because that's all you do, do. So it is interesting. They do have an entire section on their website uh devoted to um basically uh, connecting you with Christianity and you know, kind of an, <laughs> kind of an outreach. That's um, interesting. Yeah, I mean, they're they're free to do that. I'm not interested in any religion. I mean, no, I was just saying. Um, I just that. thought that was an interesting part of their website. It's a yeah. portion. It's a 
category called are you saved and it's right know. and you can click it or not click it that's your choice i have not clicked it <laughs> i'm not interested I see, but, I, um, I, well i was like what's re saved i didn't know <laughs> oh yeah it's are you saved yes yeah um and you know it's not even that crazy all it does is like give you free books for christianity or something i think i don't even i didn't like i said i didn't click it. i don't know but um yeah yeah so if you're if you're christian and you like that that's great if you don't and you don't care then they're not going to force it on you so doesn't matter yeah. to me it's their own free only, choice yeah they only have three free books anyway so yeah but <laughs> I, funny. like i said anyway i'm gonna i'm gonna call them tomorrow if they're if it seems like a great company to me um i'll buy a slippy from them based on their recommendation not american, are they or are they what the heck we just <laughs> talked about this right? they, yes they're very, very american. american dude he was tapping out early <laughs> oh i thought he's like british or something no, what? no, he's he's in, Are you in his about us section. He says he grew up in like southern Oklahoma. Yeah, the, the business is based in Oklahoma. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's like he does. Uh, uh, okay, I'm reading it. <laughs> yeah, Good Lord. So, so, our anyway. our whole our whole conversation was that he doesn't even ship out of the U.S. I because that. it's yeah. like a very American country. <laughs> anyway, we can move on. I just wanted to explain yeah. that I'm going to be looking into collector knives and possibly buying a slippy soon. So if our uh, listeners want to suggest to me anything from their catalog, right? Like if you think any of their slippies are particularly good or interesting, let me know. Um, you can email us at bindtheedgepod at gmail.com or give us your take on collector knives, what you've heard about them, what you've experienced with them, if you've been a customer before. Um, just we're interested in hearing all of that. So, yeah. Make sure you Brian buy, buys a whaler. You should, you should buy the Lion <laughs> Steel, or I mean, not the Lion Steel, the Viper Cutlery Easy Open Spear. That's what you should buy. Why is that? What? Why? Why do you suggest that one specifically? I don't know. Just because I like the way it looks. It's like a carbon fiber handle. By like the sway back. The sway back. Okay. Uh, well. <laughs> there's an orange Anyways, delrin calf pen on there. Let's uh. Let's move on. Um. To the guest topic. So we're talking to Sky today. Yep. Who who uh works with and at Grims the Grimsmo knife company with at and for <laughs> for. For the Grimsmo brothers as an intern, right? You're an intern. Uh, I started off as an intern, and now I'm part time, and I will mm -hmm. be full time in April. Oh wow, that's that's yeah. actually nice. cool. So, um, let's see. So, I think we should start with like background and stuff. So, like, how sure. old are you? Well, mm -hmm. I turned 22 mm -hmm. a couple weeks ago, uh, February 24th. Mm -hmm. I'm from right. Ontario, Canada, as uh, mm -hmm. the Grimsmos are. Mm-hmm. So, uh, what was your first real knife? Um, um, my first real knife, I guess, was a Kaiser Feist, and I still have it. It's... Really? Uh, yeah. Hmm. Um, I watched the Nick Shabazz review and saw that the first one he had was garbage, so I waited a really long time until the V2s <laughs> came out and then bought one of those. Um, that's actually not that long ago, actually. No. Right. So like, how long you have you really actually been in. into knives? Damn. Three-ish years, maybe? Oh, wow. That's a short time. I'm surprised. I mean, my second so, knife ever was a Norseman. So, so how did you Are end you up getting... Like, did you actually buy that one, or were you already at Grimsmo? Or... The Norseman? No, I, it's my, like, scrap parts employee knife. I don't um, care the reason. All I want to point out is Sky went from a Feist to a Norseman, so y'all can't give me any <laughs> shit anymore. <laughs> well, Someone finally anyways, beat Brian. Um, so how did you get... You know, with such limited knife knowledge and experience, how did you get into working with the, uh, the Grimsburg? Well, I was, like, always kind of into knives, like, 
but never bought one because I was super indecisive on what to get. Like I, I wanted one for years and years and years. I never bought one until the Vice Gen Two was out, and then it was like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna spend like two hundred and fifty dollars Canadian and get this Feist, and it was mm-hmm. awesome. But I I watched like I watched a ton of Nick Shabazz videos. I and he actually led me to the Grimsmo channel, and I think in like Uh-oh. I was watching the old Knife Making Tuesday videos and. John mentioned, like, my hometown or something, and I was like, whoa, holy shit, I'm gonna, like, message this guy. I didn't know they were so local. Because everybody <laughs> assumes Grimsmo's in, like, British Columbia or something, which is across the country. Um, and I DM'd John on Instagram randomly, and he got back to me, like, a couple days later, and I freaked out. <laughs> Boy, that's so, actually really cool. Yeah. yeah. How, but how did that end up, uh, you, get, like, applying Snowballing for a job Snowballing into there? a job, yeah. Uh, we talked back and forth a bit, and I mentioned that I I go to school in Stony Creek, which is where the shop is located. It's uh, mm-hmm. where I go to college, and the shop is like not. It's basically five minutes from from my school. So I asked him very nicely if I could come visit and check it out, and I, I did in February of 2018, I guess, like right before my birthday, which mm-hmm. was super cool. It was the first time I visited. I got to see the very 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 early prototype of the saga pen and hmm. look at parts and meet everybody that's actually so you're crazy. just there you're just there visiting oh not yeah even like not even anything for like a job or anything yeah that's kind of cool yeah and then a couple months later i realized hey i'm my like job at the time was i was working like one shift a, a week if that and mm-hmm. making minimum wage and having issues with my boss and I, I was looking for an internship through my college, and I was like, hey, John, are you guys, like, ever consider taking an internship student from the college? And he was like, well, maybe. Come, come by again. And I did. Huh. And it led to a job. That's so awesome. So is it just you and the brothers working there together? No, there's, what, uh, eight, eight of us total now. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know that they had that I'm many still, people. Still there. still smaller was... than I would have thought. The brothers and John's father-in-law, who's the CFO, mm-hmm. uh, and then the, when I started, Aaron was working as the media girl, and my coworker Angela was there. So I guess I was the sixth person, mm-hmm. and now we have we've have two more, three more after me. There's now, when yeah. you say that you started as an intern student, right, or yeah. not intern student, but you know, as an intern. Um, it sort of makes it sound like, you know, you're kind of just doing whatever, but actually you do a lot of important stuff in the oh, process. Yeah. Could you share, like, what parts of the process you're involved in in making a Grimsma knife? Well, I started doing anodizing. That was the first thing I did. I anodized that Kaiser Feist the first week I worked there. It's blue and gold now, but I... That's a pretty <laughs> good interny thing to do. Yeah, to it was off. super basic, and I just kind of mm-hmm. did that all day and anodized parts and did whatever else needed to be done. I swept floors a lot <laughs> because John didn't know what other work to give me. And then I uh, I have I have background in like manual machining and fabrication and that kind of stuff and I'm in school for manufacturing, so I I have like pretty good knowledge base in this area. So they put mm-hmm. me on this brand new machine that they just got, which was the lapping machine and it basically sprays diamond abrasive and makes parts super super flat and shiny. And I did that for probably six months mm-hmm. and then I got really deep into heat treat and developed the new heat treat process and I've been doing that since then among whatever else needs to be done 
That's really cool. That's really cool. Um, so what, what kind of, uh, like, um, goals do you have for outside of Grimsmo? Well, I'm working on this Hmm? part time. You're doing this part time. So like, um, I don't know. I I know you said you're like working towards full time, but yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm, only reason I'm part time right now is because I started back at school in January. I'm in my last semester of college. So I'll be done Hmm. that in April. Get a Hmm. nice, uh, diploma. (laughs) piece of paper that says I got I got the course finished and it's basically yeah. useless after that <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah and uh, working on some of my own stuff I started a fixed blade back in the summer and finally got mm-hmm. around to grinding bevels on it last weekend and I'm uh, hoping to work on that a lot more soon so do you get to do that stuff at the Sh- Grimsmo shop yeah or do you um, have to John and Eric are cool with me using stuff as long as I'm trained on it. And, like, I, Eric lets me use his TW90 as long as I buy my own abrasives mm-hmm. and make sure I clean up really well after. And mm-hmm. So, yeah, it works out. I get to use heat so, treat ovens, too. That's cool. Um, do you get uh, an employee discount on all Grimsmo products? No, I don't get any <laughs> discount at all. Really? Yeah. Really? Yeah, we don't that's get a surprising. Discount. Wow. Huh. I, mean, I, I have... figure that each of you would get, like, you get one. Yeah, but how it it's we kind of developed this after I started there because I got I got a saga three weeks into working because three weeks into working they flew me to Blade Show which was crazy. That's um, amazing! Wow. Now after you finish your probation period, which is three months here, you get to make a Norseman or Rask out of the scrap parts we have in the bin. The like, the tolerances are okay. There, there's probably like one aesthetic flaw, but they're not good enough to sell parts. Just, okay, just I see. jam those the, together and yeah. make your Franken knife. So, like, if it, if like a you know if a screw had a ding or a scale yep. has a big scratch or yes. something. Yes. So like that. on my personal Norseman and Rask, I could point out like ten different flaws on each with mm-hmm. each part. So, but you don't have to pay anything for your scrap. Nope. Norseman. Oh wow. You just okay. have to do so all that's... the work on it. Yeah. You, basically, you have to put it together and make it work and sharpen. That's it. kind of fun. That's kind of fun. Yeah, though. it's awesome. It's like a. That's still pretty cool. I mean, um, I like that more actually. But that's yeah, just I think me. so too. Makes it a bit more it's like, it feels more like personal, like it's yours. Yeah, it's and... personal. So yeah, I mean that's fair though to get to be able to build your own knife entirely. You know, so you can kind of make it how you want it yeah, with exactly. all the scrap parts. Um, so are you intending to go into any other fields with your degree, or are you pretty set on uh, knife making? The way my my schooling works is it's like a I don't know how trades work in the states honestly, but in Canada, you do an apprenticeship mm-hmm. for X time or X like percentage of a book filled, and then you take your CFQ, your certificate of uh, qualification test, and that allows you to be a journeyman in your field. And what my schooling does is it allows me to skip the schooling portion of my apprenticeship if I choose to take one. But it's only good mm-hmm. for two years. Oh. So, I don't know. Uh, I have That's two years strange. to decide if I want to pursue that or not. Brian! <laughs> okay. Um... So uh Yeah, that, that's huh. a little different than they do here. Yeah. But... Jake, you say that's a little bit different. I I don't even know what he's talking about. I, you know? <laughs> like so are you you're a manufacturing person, but is that like uh like is that Well the, it's the just... trade that I'm doing in school would be Mowright or Industrial Mechanic. 
is that like just so that's like a just a trade that's yeah, not that's like your a, trade. So here you, you would a, need like a you'd have to go to school for like four to six years. No, I did that and, part. And do like a bunch of other crap I'm just done to get schooling. in the door for like an entry level position. Yeah. See, the so like thing is though is that entry level position you're making like what thirty dollars an hour. Uh, it really depends on where you're working. Around That's where true, I yeah. live, no, you wouldn't make that much. It depends on the trade as well. Uh, yeah. When you so is it like a trade school or is it like a full yeah, university? Yeah, yeah, it's a trade school. Oh, okay. Like a specific trade campus. Yeah. So I I don't really I wouldn't know anything about trade schools really personally, but that's pretty interesting though how yeah different it is. Um, so do you have any insights, any teasers you can give us on uh, anything Grimsmo related? Maybe uh, lots of saga pens coming down the pipe. Uh, OTF coming out. Do lots those of saga rasks. pens? Hmm? Do those saga pens sell well? Like, do they? Oh do yeah, well? absolutely. Really? They sell like instantly. Have you not seen them on like aftermarket? They were like they were <sighs> no, selling for like seven eight hundred dollars for a while there. Now they're they're around four to five. They're three hundred to three fifty ish table price, US. That's actually how you um, should know, uh, Echo, is you've never seen them aftermarket because they get sold or bought instantly. Yeah. <laughs> so what's the, I mean, I don't know, but what's the appeal of the Saga pen? Like, I don't know, I'm looking at it right now. It's like a Grimsmo machine pen with a fully unique engineered and designed by John mechanism. Mm-hmm. And we make everything in-house other than the springs. Mm-hmm. What about the uh, the refill? Like, what refills does it it's, take? Uh, it takes a Schmidt Easy Flow 9000, but it'll fit any Parker size kind of thing. I use a Space Pen Fine in mine. That's disgusting. But, <laughs> but I'm, I'm happy for the compatibility. It, uh, um, I just need it to work 100% of the time. Do the it Grimsmos... does that, it just doesn't, it doesn't make it fun. Yeah. Does the, Grims- does the Grimsmos have anything um, in production besides the Rask and Norse- Norseman, maybe? The Rask line? isn't even in production yet. We're working on getting it back up. Um, we, we just... Does y'all have to swap over all of the... Um... Not anymore, because we just bought a new 5-axis oh. CNC mill, the Kern. Oh, okay. uh, Very but... expensive and fancy machine. But you used to have to be like, yeah. okay, stop Norseman production, do Rask. And that never and then... happened. After the Rask Critter was finished, it was full Norseman until now, and it's not going to stop. <laughs> uh, okay, because the Norseman. So y'all are just... continuing production on the Norseman while uh, making correct. the Rask. Yeah, yeah, we'll be continuing Norseman production while the Rasks are running, but it'll probably be like Rasks forward, like more mm-hmm. than Norseman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess because the Norsemans are just so popular, I guess. Oh yeah, right? and we can make them fairly quickly. Like we're at what mm-hmm. thirty five hundred Norsemen now total. And the, when I started, we were at a thousand, like a year and a half definitely ago. Definitely sped up. Um, Just a couple of days at least. Yeah. Is it? Would you say? I don't know if you know this. You probably do. Is it easier to make a Norseman or is it easier to make a Rask? The old way, it's easier to make a Norseman, but with this new machine, we're hoping that they'll be the same. It'll actually be easier to make a rask because there's more machining but less like less surface finish dependency. Because the rask mm-hmm. used to be pretty difficult for y'all when you first started, blade, it, right? The blade finishing because uh, yeah. it was just Eric that was grinding the bevels, like finishing the bevels after machine grinding, and the machine, mm-hmm. however John was doing it, didn't do a very nice job. So there was there was waves and bad surface finish and that kind of stuff. Oh, hmm. I gotcha. That's interesting. Excuse me, sorry. Um. 
Vex, do you have any questions to ask? You're kind of quiet over there. What? <laughs> oh my god. Just kidding. Just kidding. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, thought I, I forgot I was doing a podcast. Um, so what other makers are you interested in now that you're more into knives now? Oh, uh, okay. Uh, a lot. Um, oh, yeah. It, it kind of shifts, a bench honestly. Made fanboy, right? No, 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 no. <laughs> I, I actually, as of 2020, was like, I'm going to sell all my production knives and only buy customs because I want to support makers. So Bougie. I did that, and I bought a lot less knives other than GECs. I was about to say, you, you like the half pin, though. <laughs> GECs are, are different. I'm talking, like, modern folders. <laughs> What's your draw um, on the GEC since they're so different from Grinsmo or any CNC? Ah, they're just classy. Out? And I like the like 1095 is is dead easy to sharpen and takes a super keen edge and mm-hmm. it, it's true actually they're people n- swoon when I pull out the whaler they're like oh, they're slicey God. they're actual knives they're, yeah they're super thin behind the edge like even my calf pen's like ten thou behind the edge on both blades and what do you uh, use to what do you use to sharpen I have a KME right now and just like a hand strop but I'm I'm gonna yeah. I'm buying an Edge Pro and yeah because it's I just fade. <laughs> from the last yeah, episode I just remembered that you had uh posted a picture that you were buying about yeah. the Edge Pro. Yeah, that last Products. episode uh, pushed me over the edge. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> what are the, what are the Grims... So the Grimsmo's... Uh, it's Eric that does the sharpening. Yeah, yeah Eric it? does all the sharpening right now. But, so uh, does he just sharpen on a wheel? or? Oh, uh, yeah, he uses belts. Mm-hmm. That's pretty interesting. Um, so hmm. I want to know, like... So you, you are one of the few people I know... Who not only carry two knives, but one of those knives is traditionals. Right. Um, and so I want to know, like, which one did you get into? Well, I, or, or sorry, I already know which one you got into first. You said you got into the Feist first, which is obviously, yeah. you know, modern it's titanium frame lock. How did you get into traditionals? Traditional design, though. Like, it's like mm-hmm. uh, Justin Lundquist, the designer of the Feist, his whole thing is he takes like a traditional design and modernizes it. Mm-hmm. Oh okay. It is it is pretty simple. Like you know? it's got really it's... simple lines. It's it's kind of like a Barlow but stretched out and skinnier. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Like you mentioned that you know one of the appeals of a traditional is that they're very thin behind the edge. Oh, yeah. Generally speaking, they're slicier. But you know, obviously, that's something you could achieve on a modern folder as well. So what's yep. like you? What's unique to a traditional that draws you to them that you couldn't possibly get in a modern folder? Design. Mm-hmm. Like they're. Timeless. Just, oh yeah, they're old and classy and non. I know, I know exactly what you mean. There's at least when I carry a, a slip joint, I haven't had many of them, but it's a very different experience. Yeah, if that makes any sense. And so, yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm, it, I'm it's wondering more like, like a ritual thing. It's kind of weird. Uh-huh. Having well, a two-handed I, open is like very like you. There's meaning when you take the knife out and open it, rather than just like me flipping my knife over and over and over and over. You, yeah, you, you open your slip joint to use it, one. and then you close it when you're done, kind of thing. So it feels deliberate. It feels yeah, like there's exactly. more intention behind It's a behind whole different opening. knife experience. Yeah, uh, It reminds me of like, those animes where they're like, the only time you see me draw my sword is when you die. <laughs> you know? but, that's that's um, honestly about it. But I mean, it's cool, right? Like That's yeah. a cool concept. Like right. I, I do like that a lot. Um, For me also, another thing is, it's not that I can't get natural materials on you know, a titanium frame lock, right? Like as an inlay or whatever, like you could get bone on your modern folder for sure, but it looks crap to me. Like I yeah. like it on my traditionals. I think it matches the aesthetic and the purpose. 
I don't like those materials like bone and stag on a Dude, modern folder. Brass. I would. I don't want brass anywhere near a modern folder. Get that away. Right. <laughs> yeah. So like I, the brass, I, yeah. brass PM2 scales. Oh God, or no. The, or the copper PM2 scales. The brass ones. ones. They're so the damn copper heavy. One. Yeah. The copper ones make your hands smell like pennies. Well, I, I mean, don't the, know if I got brass or copper. They look the same to me. The whaler is like seven point two ounces, so it's also the whale, yeah. The whaler's the whaler's a, a pretty chunky knife. Well, it's fat. It's fat. It's really yeah. not that it's thick. Skinny. It's just heavy as wide. Yeah. Well, that's what I mean. Not okay. I don't Fats mean thick. No, I thought okay. I thought you meant like it was like. I didn't mean chubby. it was. I didn't mean it was thick. It's not a Medford. <laughs> yeah, you I mean, it was just like wide. Yeah, you're you're correct. It's not a Medford. The Medford that I have was thinner than this. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bex um, asked what what makers I'm interested in, and, I, and off the top of my head, I want to say Michael Raymond is somebody I've been looking at a lot lately. Like, mm-hmm. if I was gonna buy <laughs> a knife right now, <laughs> I would try and go for Michael Raymond. Honestly, right. like, so since you buy pretty much exclusively um, custom knives, unlike a lot of the other people, specifically on the Discord or in this podcast, I would imagine that buying a knife for you is a lot more research. Oh, for sure. Um, and it's it's not, you know, a once a week thing. Whim. No, yeah, Whim. unless it's a GEC. <laughs> GEC, I'll just, so I'll just how, snap it. How do you conduct your research into a maker? Where you go like, this maker's cool. I, because I, from what I know about you, right, like, right, you're, we we are sort of similar in the sense that we want a quality product. Like that's very important to both of us. But we also yeah. care that the maker isn't a shitty person. Yeah, for sure. So how do you, for you, how do you know, like, you know, this maker is someone I like, you know, honestly, I, I trust them. I talk to a lot of makers and I, mm-hmm. I like, I watch reviews on their stuff and I look into like, like the, what is it called? The like hate board or whatever, the, <laughs> on blade forums, like the hall of like the, whatever. Yeah. The hall, hall of sadness. Right? Yeah. <laughs> See if they're on there. Like, despite me having a chamois, you know how it is. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I see. Yeah. So you so yeah. you do like to look into them, do your research, well, and then for sure. you go like talk to them of, as well. Part of my goal at Blade Show is to like shake as many hands as possible and make as many impressions as possible and talk to as many makers as possible. So hey. at Blade Show, I met Gareth and Jason Bull, and Jason Bull was fantastic to talk to. I didn't really talk to Gareth that much, but mm-hmm. Jason's mm-hmm. a great guy, and the guy Dan who runs Oz Machine Company, who makes the Roosevelt, he actually. Asked, he came. I met him at the pit one night, and he showed us a prototype of the Roosevelt. And we all handled it, and he wanted my opinion on the knife. Then he came by the Grimsnell table and asked everybody else, like, "Hey, this is my first knife. This is like one of ten that I've made." So that was really cool, and I'm I'm glad I got on his books like right after because uh, it's a pretty long wait list now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So how often do you think like when you get a custom knife, do you end up comparing it? To like a Norseman or a Rask or something like that, because obviously, really often actually, right? Because you have hands-on experience with you know not really custom knives because they're production, but you know yeah. high-end, high-end. I would call knives. them in-house production, mm-hmm. like a watch. Right. Yeah. Um. So, like, can you uh, kind of elaborate on that? Yeah. Maybe? Like I, I got a Shear Gorov a Neon Ultralight on loan. Uh, mm-hmm. like two weeks ago or whatever and my first thought was wow this is a smaller less good rask <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it got a lot better when I took it apart and like cleaned it and dialed it in the way I like it and it's like a hundred times better now like I would actually consider buying one how it's dialed now but 
Still not as mm-hmm. good as the Rask. Right. That's the one that had the crazy amount of lock stick, right? Yeah, and it has none now, and I I fixed it, and I don't know how. <laughs> <laughs> I just kept putting pencil on the like oh. the lock base, and it got and that, better. That fixed it. Yeah. Wow. Uh, well, you know, some there's some knives that you buy, and then like sometimes for some reason they need some tweaking, but then they end up being great. So, for sure. I, don't know. I guess maybe that's one of when that's just the way some of them are, you know. Um. So, what's your favorite thing to do at Grimsmo? I know you've done multiple things. What was your favorite thing? Uh, I mean, that's hard, actually. It's difficult. Yeah, so, like, what was the most fun for you, you know? Because you've, you've done a lot. Yeah. Doing the R&D on heat treating was super cool. Like, I, mm-hmm. I basically sat there for a week with a bunch of test coupons and we just got cryo, so I was dialing in our cryo treatment process, and I did like a ton, like probably six or seven different batches of coupons to figure out what was best for us. Like talking with the PhD metallurgists from Europe and getting all that sorted out. And uh, the other thing is, very recently, we have a CNC router that is basically exclusively for my use right now. Which is cool mm-hmm. because I have absolutely no CNC experience before working at Grimsmo. Right. And uh, just like doing CAD and CAM and making the machine move was uh, mm-hmm. very cool. Yeah, that's, oh, that's pretty cool. That reminds me. So every once in a while, like, you know, when it's when you're not working, obviously, you know, um, lately you've started to work on your own stuff, right? Yep. So um, do you want to tell people about like, just what you're looking into as far as like what you're working on now, what things you want to look forward to in the future. Right. Okay. Um, So, uh, I have a single, (laughs) single fixed blade that I've started and I started it back in the summer. It's made out of nitro V steel. And my goal was to harden it to a high hardness and to take the edge super thin and basically make it up like a pocket razor. But Mm -hmm. for whatever reason, my heat treat, gave me 61 Rockwell instead of the 63 I was aiming for, which is fine. I'll finish the knife anyways. And then when I ground it, it's like between like 5 and 8 thou behind the edge, I believe. I still have to put the edge on it, but that's what it is right now. So, mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. moving forward, I uh, I don't know. Uh, I want to move into making traditional knives, slip joints, and that kind of stuff. As like, like a, a liner some... lock folder would be cool. I don't really care much for frame locks if that makes it's kind of weird, right? Because I all of my knives are frame locks and girls it makes frame locks and yeah, like I don't um, want to use bearings and I don't want to make you, a flipper. <laughs> are you looking to make this to sell? Like actually oh, something to possibly yeah. sell? This first one is definitely not going to be sold because it has a lot of things wrong well, with it already. It's like a learn. That's a learning exactly. Yeah. Eventually, I'd, I'd like to be able to sell stuff that I make to people. That'd be cool. Yeah, I already have quite a few people joint. that are interested. Mm-hmm. Wait a second. Despite say, me um... making absolutely nothing. Right. Well, you know, when, <laughs> Put me down on your imaginary books. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> for, for one. When, when you're starting out, you know, it's all it's all learning Yeah. So it's so a once, slow process. Once this fixed play is done, I, I was planning on doing a run of Kiridashis in Ardbeal 34 and Dam Steel because we have a bunch of scrap mm. in the shop. That would be uh, really cool. We have cool, a big actually. sheet of AEBL too. And Kiridashis are pretty dead easy to make. You just grind the bevel and slap some yeah. scales on it. And it's just yeah. a worn clip. So 
This I don't sounds know like if I've get... actually been looking for one of those for like looking at them. Oh yeah. For probably the past year and a half or so, I just haven't found any that I like enough to buy. Right. Okay. Mm. But like um, NCC knives make some of them that are somewhat attractive, and they're not I don't super know if expensive. I've seen his? That's cool. They're like um, they're. There's no other way apart from just it's, it's a kiridashi. It's a really tiny kiridashi. Um, tiny. This it sounds like you uh, have a lot of support from uh, the Grimsmos and everyone there. Yeah, absolutely. Essence. They're they're super super supportive. Um, they're mm-hmm. happy to like let me work on my own stuff, and they're actually they're incredibly supportful and flexible with me mm-hmm. working while I'm in school, like part time. I basically right. was like. Here's my schedule. These are the days that I can work. Like, is this cool? And they're like, yeah, it's fine. Just, like, That's awesome. <laughs> that's really awesome. And then to even use their shop to work on your own personal yeah, projects. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's that's probably the uh, nicest thing, you know, that I've seen. Um, because, like, you're not even, like, doing their work at that point. Right. You're doing your own. Well, I, you know, I, don't, I don't, like, get paid for it. I do it on my well, own. Well, yeah, obviously. It's just it's just your hobby, kind of yep. like your side, your side gig that you're doing. And it's just nice that they're letting you use... That some of their resources, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's a huge opportunity to get that. Because it's not like, you know, it's not like you at your house. You don't have those facilities. Yeah, you know, and I'm to I do can't anything. Exactly drop a couple grand and buy. You a don't grinder. have a five axis. Yeah, well, I'm not using CNC. CNC. Quarter. More than that. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh my god. Jesus <laughs> Christ. Yeah, quarter. What? <laughs> what do you think? Uh, <laughs> How, what do you think you're paying for when you buy a $900 Norseman, you know? <laughs> Made in Germany. <laughs> um, yeah, that, those are those, that's all really cool stuff. I like that a lot. Um, I mean, obviously, you already know I'm rooting for you there. I do yeah. want my K390 Slippy. Um, I'm, I'm so, considering just making a slip joint next, honestly. Just skip the Kiridashis and go straight to the traditionals. Because I, I have a lot mm-hmm. of support from traditional makers that I've been talking to. They've, they've right. given me like a ton of advice and sent me like That's patterns and stuff freaking invaluable I, right and you probably talked to um what's his name uh alistair right? yeah yeah Alice so Phillips. right and and for those of you who don't know alistair like is a pretty cool guy one of our discord members frogger actually um got lessons from alistair as well yeah, he took and, and he, a weekend class yeah a weekend class and you know he actually made two of them two uh slippies with alistair's help so I think that's all really cool. I like it when makers are, you know, in the community doing stuff other than just making their knives. That's always awesome. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. but anyway, um, yeah. I wanted to ask, you know, this is kind of like a hot take, I guess. Right. So I feel like a lot of people, uh, in the community are split on like, let's just talk about the Norsemen. Sure. Um, specifically, I feel like a lot of people are split on rather, uh, on whether, they are worth the price or not so like right, right. now and in, in, right now in your uh on the website's inventory um the most expensive ones um which aren't even you know crazily specced are going for 940 dollars uh, what do you think really do you think they're worth that price personally i know mean, that's like a I big mean, hot I, take i know how much work goes into them like not even talking mm-hmm. machine work like us actually like <laughs> cranking it to make these mm-hmm. knives because the right. machine is it's so dialed in that unless something crazy happens, you just press go, uh-huh. and it makes the parts. And that's the easy part. Like the hard mm-hmm. part is, well, actually prepping those parts to go on the machine is the hard part. <laughs> right, right. After that, you have this these parts that have like hours and hours and hours of machine time into them that you have to very carefully prep for the next stage and 
keep the finish nice and mm -hmm. like there's so much handwork and like man hours that go into them right so so what would you say most of that money is like for would you say it's all the machine like all the like man labor time going yeah i would it? say the majority of the norseman price is man hours mm -hmm. okay that's but fair. There's also, I was just curious. I'm sure there's an investment too on the machine price. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Y'all, y'all have some some crazy machining skills as well, well. You know, when you buy a very very expensive you know CNC machine, I'm sure you know. It's to get, like some of that has to be paid it's for. not even the time. It's like it it is to an extent, but a lot of that cost is like tooling. Like tooling mm -hmm. is so expensive, and we go through so many because we have it dialed in so so well that we can detect a tool like it we know when it'll wear out but not break so we can change it before it breaks and ruins parts mm -hmm. so we just we just change them before they're done kind of thing right like, now um this is a point that i i try to stress this a lot because i feel like um it gets ignored a lot right like so here here's the thought so um when you increase production right when you increase the number of something that you make Yep. Um, sometimes the argument you'll hear people say is, well, if you're, if you're able to make more of these, then shouldn't it be cheaper? Right. Because obviously, <laughs> right. you know, they'll say economies of scale or something. Yeah, of course. Mm -hmm. And the argument I try to stress a lot of the time is economies of scale is, you know, that, that applies when you're talking about things like Walmart or like, yeah. you know, Costco, or that's when economies of scale start happening. Uh, when yeah. you're talking about like eight employees yeah, in a workshop, exactly. Um, you, you're, it actually costs more to be able to make more. They need like, to realize uh, that we hired four people to make more knives. <laughs> right. Right. Like, and, and, you know, there's like the training costs, right? You have to, yeah. like, there's time period of training. You always have to pay them, not a child labor wage in China. I'm not yeah, saying well, that they're all like, I'm just saying, too is, you know, oh, sorry. Twice. <laughs> that's, that's I that's actually right. have my, I actually have my phone on silence. So that's shocking. Um, I actually, it, I'm assuming that y'all get out less than five knives a day um, it's, it's like our, our like goal is like six so if people really sit there and think about that six knives a day and you're paying eight employees and paying for all this machinery mm -hmm. it's not that crazy if you're paying them like a living wage right mm -hmm. like it, it's not out of the question um and i did have some gripes with the norseman that i handled but most of it's personal preference the one thing i will say the machining on that like and the finishing and everything was damn near perfect like it mm -hmm. it was amazing so i didn't so get to handle it yet i'm sad you haven't <laughs> yet no really? i'm gonna handle amw's one day i'll, I'll force them to send gonna, it to me that's what i was gonna say i'm surprised the only thing the only complaint i've heard about them uh is just mainly amw complaining about the sharpening on his <laughs> yeah i don't know what happened there because uh usually eric's pretty good with sharpening and he's certainly a lot better than he was back when they were in like the 800s Mm. Back before it had a sharpening coil. Well, I haven't heard like a bunch of people complaining about Norseman sharpening, so you know, I'm sure right. maybe it was just like one. I don't. He's the only person I've ever heard complain about it being bad. I think I had like one other. I think it was Nero Knives complained that there was like a bit of a burr, uh -huh. and he fixed it in like two seconds. Yeah. But, yeah. See, I don't even like when I when well, if I, it's like, one yeah. if it's one out of like several thousand Norsemans, you know. Yeah, like, and know. like that's the kind of stuff that we strive. Or, right? right i mean you know it's not good to have a little bit of a burr but it's also the i feel like that's the smallest possible issue a knife could have is right. having a little bit of a burr because you literally just well, like 
strop that off. It. Yeah. Yeah. It's extremely like, fixable. Yeah. I just think it's so. the smallest possible deal. Like, cause mm-hmm. that's like any, any human being with like any level of competence can take off the burr anyway. Like you don't even need like a nice leather strop, like any leather, your belt, whatever. Like as long as you have functional motor skills. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like, it's not like you need to do a regrind or a resharpen. It's just literally like rub it on your belt real quick. And it's like, fine. I've (laughs) definitely dulled a knife on a strap before. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's true. If you're, you could do that. Yes. But, um, (laughs) but anyway, like, um, but the point I want to get at is, you know, a lot of the times you'll hear people criticize a maker for saying, why don't they make more when the demand is so high? And the reason right. why they don't make more is because it actually costs them more money to make more. And like they're not, they're not stupid. They're literally just like, limitations. Like, right. Like I, I can't even fathom like how much more it would cost. Um, some, some makers who are like solo acts right now to make like 10 times more of what they currently oh, make. Oh God. Imagine if you know? they made their own hardware. They're at, what, 800 knives now? They'd be at, like, 200. Right, and, you know, imagine they made their own hardware, and they did nicer finishing, right? and they did all their heat treat in one place, and they made eight (laughs) times more of what they currently make. Like, that's that's where I start going, oof, I don't know if they could do that. So, um, I I do think that's an important thing to know. I mean, I have my own gripes about the Norseman, which you already know about. We've talked about them before. Like, I don't, I'm not a fan of the blade shape. That's obviously a personal preference. Yeah, the the blade shape Um, is the most polarizing thing about it. Right. Yeah, but but that's fine. You know, it it appeals to a lot of people because it is unique. And my other gripe is I'm not against the high price. What I am, what I would prefer is if he charged even more and did a nicer steal. Right. Because I think if you're going to charge $900, you might as well charge a little more and get a nicer steal. That's just my yeah. opinion. But like I said, those that, are those are opinions though, but yeah. John picked Ariel 34 because it's it's from what? Sweden. Sweden yeah, Dam still makes Dama it. Steel. Mm-hmm. And it's Nordic and it fits and he likes it. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> yeah. why they they use it. There's literally no mm. other reason other than that. He that's, He doesn't have much enough. steel knowledge, but it's fine. I'm I'm working with him. We're we're <laughs> looking at other stuff. That would be cool to if it, if there was just an option. I think that would, people would like that. But you know, that's I know true. that's like that's. I don't think that's. I wouldn't expect that. People like options. Most. We uh, I don't even know how long ago. Maybe six months. Reintroduced the like custom order thing where yeah, you can the, uh, so pick the your bio finish and your anodizing and blade finish. Yeah. So I'm. I don't know. I, I'm just curious. Um, why? Uh, you know that you you guys started making the rask, you know, and I just wonder why. I feel like, uh, was the rask more of a side project than a main project? Because I feel like it just you know it didn't kick off as much as the Norseman did. You know, like, I, it's just like I disagree. Like, like, but it's like the Norsemen's are like constantly being made, right? But oh the rasks yeah, aren't. Yeah, so what's, the rask, what's the reason for that? Rask is canceled because. It's hard to the way they were making it before. It was too much extra work. They were before the price raise. They were like not the margins were terrible basically, mm-hmm. and it was so much extra work. They had three employees and it just they just couldn't mm-hmm. make it goodly. The way my enough. brain is processing that is. It seems like the process for the Norseman is dialed in as yeah. it's becoming more and more efficient over time. Exactly. Whereas the Rask hasn't reached that level of efficiency. So even though you have the same machines, the same people, it still costs more to make it currently, right? Well, can so, you explain what's 
you know, what's really different about the Rask, because it seems, like, I don't know, just from a regular person, it just seems like a pretty simple it's, design. Yeah, right? it is simple. Um, I don't know much about the previous production, honestly, because that was way before I started, but they, right. the, the main problem with the Rask is that they took this massive pre-order, and okay. it was like a 300 knife pre-order for the Rask, and they took all the money up front, and they're like, yeah, we'll deliver this in, like, nine months and it oh, took no. them <laughs> it took them i think like two and a half years to do it Jeez. something okay. like that so this was a mismanagement type yes thing. yeah it was a time just like they didn't expect it to take nearly that long kind of thing like they were 10 months okay. in and i think they were and finishing then, the prototype. oh i see what you're saying and then once you know, you can't change the way you do. Pro- yeah, you exactly. You can't change the way you do production in the middle of your production. I see. And the the way they were, do, like I said before, like the Rask doesn't have the milled step bevels. It's a smooth, like hand finished bevel. Yeah. The way that exactly. they were doing the bevels before it, it took so long, and it Eric was like, I don't know if it was carpal tunnel, but he had a lot of wrist pain from finishing the blades. I mean, mm-hmm. he used a disc grinder, right? Yeah, he uses a disc grinder, and yeah, so I don't know about that honestly myself. So for those who don't know great. what a disc grinder is like, um, obviously I assume he had variable speed. Hopefully he did. Yeah, he did. Um, okay, yeah. So because in general though, they're very like rocky in a sense. Um, like when you press steel, like something solid against a disc grinder, there's a lot of vibration almost. Um, that translates mostly to your hand directly which is why like i don't actually like doing it um not because it's bad for the like for the knife but bad for my hand yeah like it'll it'll actually hurt my hand if i do it for a while so i that's why i don't really disgrind um steel or anything like that anymore um mm-hmm. but yeah so if he did it that way then i can see why uh why is why he would get carpal tunnel or something like that yeah you know, why why that would happen like it makes sense um because it's not the same as grinding. I would rather grind on my belt grinder for 16 hours, which I've done before, than do like two <laughs> hours on a disc grinder. Um, um, and that's just how it is, you know. It's just it just more it takes more of a toll on your hand, and I think people don't respect how much it does to your body sometimes to make knives. Yeah, um, depending on what you're doing. The so. other thing too about that is when once they actually finished the Rask pre-order, the Norseman secondary prices were up in the like 2,500 3K ish area. Mm-hmm. They had because only made they're... like 600, I think, around mm-hmm. there. Because and they had they... switched entirely to the Rask. Right? Exactly, so, yeah. yeah. They hadn't made Norseman in, in a couple of years, and they were super in demand. Like, hey, the Rask is done, we want Norseman kind of thing. So they switched over to Norseman because they, they knew how to make a Norseman. Yeah. Right. So there was much less risk. It made sense. That's what people wanted at the time. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So yeah. I guess um, yeah. I guess a big problem was being such a popular company, but being so small. You know. Yeah, I think they the pre-order put a lot of pressure on them to get it done mm-hmm. as fast as possible, but they couldn't exactly cut corners because right. of everything that Grimsmo is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they set that standard for themselves, so people. Yeah, exactly. Every time. Right. Which is a good uh, thing and a bad thing, I guess, depending on how you look at it. Yeah, I'm glad the Norseman secondary isn't like twenty five hundred dollars anymore. Now I it's mean, like that's Rask secondary now. <laughs> yeah, 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 you're right. Yeah. Now flip. you can get a now you can get a Norseman for like I've seen him. I've seen a few go for like six hundred and yeah, you know, six seven seven fifty yeah. ish. So here, even on the website, it's nine hundred. You can get one for nine hundred. So it's pretty so, cool. Yeah. So here's my perspective on the Norseman that I think it's a little bit unfair right now. Um, I felt like there's never a way to win. 
Because here's so here's what I'm this is what I think happened. This is like my my in my head what I think is the way that happened with Norseman. It's basically, you know, you made a knife, a lot of people wanted it, um, but you couldn't make enough, so people complained that you weren't making enough. Right. Then once you start making enough, um, people are like, Why aren't they cheaper? Right? Not thinking about <laughs> yeah. increased production costs. Then once you finally make enough and secondary prices start going down, they say, Man, it was never worth that much anyway if the secondary prices are low. Right, and yeah. it's like <laughs> I don't know. I, but, I saw that it was a little frustrating been... to me to see that that line of thinking. Like there are some things I don't think are worth it. Some things that I do that I think are. But the the way that people have been de- determining the value of knives has been sort of bugging me lately. Like the idea that you know if your secondary market price is low, that your knife isn't good. Yeah, mm. it's weird um, to me. And it, and what they don't realize is that thinking on our side, the customer side of things is what makes makers do things that aren't good. Like why does Holt want to discontinue the specter because it'll increase secondary market prices and right. make their knives seem more valuable. Like that's, it's because of the people attribute secondary market v- price to value that. I think that's why that kind of stuff happens. That, that Holt thing's still just a theory well, though, right? Yeah. That wasn't confirmed. My, my no, theory on saying, That's why they yeah. might want to. Yeah. Although just be careful when you say something like yeah, that. Sure. He, you <laughs> said I, I, it. I'm going to go ahead and say a very likely theory. My yeah, theory right. on Holt is that they're discontinuing the specter because they only have one machine and they have to swap it over to make haptics. Like, like, like Norseman. Had, yeah, exactly. Or, when they swip, swap from Rasks to Norseman. Yeah. That's different from needing to discontinue it, though. You can just say, we're going to make haptics now. You don't have to say we're never going to make a Spectre again, which we'll That's see if true. they say that or not, but I'm just saying, right? Like, Yeah, I think it might have just been a phrasing thing. Well, um, discontinued indefinitely just means discontinued for the foreseeable future, so, I mean, I don't know. They didn't even say that. They just said that no, the yeah. Spectre's riding off in the sunset. So <laughs> Into the sun, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I really wish they would have just not been cryptic about it and just said what they're intending. I mean, it got, I mean but, it's a hey. good thing, because look how many people are talking about it. So that's true. It's their knives are going to go up in value just because they said that. So everyone's going to go crazy for them. Right. That's and that's why that's why I think the fact that they chose to do a cryptic message like that. Like I think they understand how to manipulate second market values mm-hmm. and manipulate public perception. Which yeah, you know, <clears throat> hey, you you do what you want. But anyway, uh, back to the Norseman real quick. Um, uh, there was obviously a, there's been a price increase on the Norseman since it's been in production, but y'all have also made a lot of changes to it from right. like the original Norseman. Yeah, and there's a lot of small things that most people would notice, um, like just surface finish and machining has improved a lot, and hand finishing has improved a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, off the top of my head, the big changes I can think of, um, there's more fancy engraving on the inside, which isn't a big thing, but it's it's different. There's a sharpening yeah. choil, which is a huge thing for a lot of people. I was, so I was just thinking about that, actually, the sharpening choil, because I've been yeah. looking at your, uh, I mean, the Grimsmo's uh, website. Right. And I, Right, because the RAS doesn't have a sharpening choil. Not yet. Now, not, yeah, not uh-huh. yet. But now the Norseman does. It's nice to see that that's been implemented into the Norseman. Yeah, it makes uh, it sh- like easier for everybody to sharpen, like exactly. us and the end user. Because mm-hmm. it, it's already hard to sharpen in the first place. Oh, yeah. The, Recurve. All right. Now we got to ask the hard questions. Um, so, what is the difference between you know a Norseman surface finish and like a heavy blast that you'll see on like production oh. knives and stuff? So we don't do any blasting at all. Like we mm-hmm. do zero blasting as of right now. I've I've done some experimenting with it and it can look nice, but it's just not what we kind of want to go with. Um, most knives, even customs, they'll just be blast and then tumble. Or sandblast and tumble, 
even my like Shemurai field grade is a super super heavy sandblast. We take ground blanks and lap them with diamonds until they are a mirror finish and then tumble that mirror finish so that it's like a pure stone wash with no blasting underneath and it looks amazing. And it's it also really less doesn't. porous, so it's less yeah. likely to rust, stuff like that. Yeah. Right. Now, what about on your handles? Like, what is the difference between, you know, you get your titanium handle, you heavy blast that shit, versus, you know, doing whatever you guys do? I mean, it, it just looks better. Like, the service finish carries over through the stone wash. Like, you, mm-hmm. you get a much... I don't, know, I don't know the word to use. Like, it's almost more, like, glisteny. Like, I think just shinier that, yeah. stone wash. Whereas with a blast blast tumble, you get like a darker kind of matte stone wash. Mm-hmm. So you know, th- so that difference is like going to be a large cost difference, though, right? Like you know, for sure, yeah. Something if we didn't care about service finish, we could just blast everything and then tumble it if it didn't matter. Could you like estimate how much you think it would cost less if you were to just blast everything, like blade and handle? Oh, I, I couldn't estimate it, but a lot. The the lapping <laughs> machine is a very expensive machine to run. Right, to and so fair, what makes though, a lapping machine... First of all, what is a lapping machine for people who aren't familiar with uh, it? It's it's a machine with a rotating disc that is made out of a metal and resin composite, and it has pods of ceramic rings, and you put your parts in these ceramic rings in a carrier so that they don't hit against each other. And this big big pneumatic cylinder comes down on with a foam pad and squishes your parts so that they stay flat against the plate. And you have two sprayer bottles that spray diamond slurry onto the plate, and the diamonds get squished into the composite, and it basically acts as the abrasive and polishes your parts. We use, I think, 13 micron diamond and 9 micron diamond, mm-hmm. and it takes forever because we're <laughs> we're lapping 61 Rockwell out of 34, so it's like an hour for 12 blades. <laughs> So you have a lot of machine operating costs, and you also have a lot of abrasive costs, because diamonds aren't free. Yeah, diamond slurry is very expensive, and that Mm -hmm. machine requires a lot of man hours. Not necessarily somebody standing in front of it 24-7, but it's something that needs to be monitored. Right, and obviously we need to compare that to the alternative we just discussed, which is when you sandblast, you just use... You know, different media, like bead blast media, whatever you want to use. Yeah, right? even like then you just, blast is a little bit Right, and then you have an air there. compressor, and you just kind of blast it, right? Yeah, um, it doesn't have in to terms look of, good. Right, in terms of cost, <laughs> we're talking a pretty substantial difference, though. Yeah, very different. So, even, but that like, would lose most of the appeal of the Norseman, to, to me at least. Yeah, If for it sure. was just like a blasted... No, I, I mean, I'm know. looking at a picture of Norseman right now. It looks very nice, like the finish. I've never seen one in person, like I said. Um, but I like how go, they look. And watch, I don't know if Nick Shabazz shows his old Norseman in his newest review. If you go watch his newest review, he, he shows it off quite well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I, I just think all that stuff's interesting. Like, I, I want people to know where costs comes from. Because um, right, I think that's yeah. an important thing to, like, for people to realize. is like, when you're paying, what you're paying for, really. Um, when it's worth it, when it isn't, stuff like that. To me, when I handled the Norseman, it seemed like most of the money, um, and what you just said may, may contribute to this a little bit, it seems like most of the money went into fit and finish. Yeah. Um, it was still, you know, it's still a functional knife. The The blade is very, very nice. Probably my favorite part, actually, was the blade, but um, it was just, it was very, very well assembled. Everything had a consistent, nice finish, and even, like, the inside of the lock bar, you guys hit that, which a lot of companies don't even touch. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, like we that, we machine. You have no surface. idea how much that like I was like that's that's some good shit there. Yeah, and it, mm -hmm. yeah, we machine or lap every surface basically, including the inside of that lock bar. Um, and something that people don't realize is to get that constant fit and finish is John and Angelo, which operate the mill. They're constantly tweaking and like chasing it and checking and verifying, and it's like a daily thing. I guess so. As as much as we have the program dialed in, there's like it's not 100%. Right, and there's maintenance involved, obviously. Yep. And, and then after that, Eric hand-fits everyone, and John verifies it, and they both sign off of the cards when they're done their step. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, so, I mean, to me, it seems like a very complete process. Like, I oh, think... Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't, I'm not going to call out anyone specific, but I think a lot of makers I see... Um, they sort of do the cheapest route on everything, but still charge the premium price. Right. Um, you know, like, so they'll still just blast everything, blast the blade, then, you know, stone wash on top, and then blast the handle, and then, you know, whatever, right? Like, yeah. And um, they're still charging seven or $800. Right. Like, so, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll mention one thing. Like, um, when I talked to Holt, I was really, like, I mean, I think, okay, you can tell that I didn't even consider the possibility based on the way I asked the question, I said, hey, um, do you use in-house heat treat or Peter's heat treat? That was my question. Like, I didn't even, right. it didn't even, I wouldn't even, like, consider the possibility that it wouldn't be either of those two um, sometimes. And then they told me that um, they use, they use all three. They use in-house heat treat, Peter's heat treat, and slack metallurgy. And for those of you who don't, who aren't familiar with what's, um, stack, sorry, stack, not slack. Um, but those of you who aren't familiar with stack, that's who Benchmade uses for their heat treat. And I don't consider Benchmade Heat Treat to be, like, top of the line by any means. I would say it's inconsistent at best. Inconsistent at best, right? Definitely yeah. not on the same level as Peter's, right? For sure. And as a custom maker, um, especially small batch, like, I think people take... People sh assume, and they should be able to assume, that your knives have a level of consistency. Like, that, you yeah, know, when, they, when I buy cool. a knife from X person, I'm going to get the same... About the same knife every time. Yeah. But, you know, what... That would be the same as saying that, you know, if I get a knife heat treated by Peter's or by, you know, Benchmade's heat treat facility, um, or not theirs, but, you know, who they use, that it's going to be the same, which it just isn't. So, I don't know. I don't know what you guys all think about that. Like, that was really, like, mind-blowing to me, where I was just like, wait, what? Like, they don't use the same process for every knife? Yeah, because we went down a little bit would. of a rabbit hole. We were trying to figure out if it was Peter's or if they did it in-house, because they, they mentioned getting it done through Peter's somewhere. And yeah, I can't even you find it. It's so hard to, like, yeah. Doing it in-house with, On their like, Instagram. A aluminum quench plate. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it was pretty mind-blowing. And then it's like, oh, they actually they use all three. All in -house. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, my argument was that, you know, if you show a picture of you doing it in-house on your Instagram, and then you never mention outsourcing on your website or Instagram... I'm going to assume all of them are done in-house then. Right, exactly. You're going to assume that. So, to me, it felt a little bit... I'm not going to say completely disingenuous, maybe, but... It's shady. It felt, a little, it felt a little misleading to me that, like, everyone I've talked to who owns a Spectre assumed that they did it in-house or by Peters. One right. of the two. No, nobody assumed that they alternated between those two, and nobody even considered the possibility that they use stack metallurgy. So, I, I've not met a single person yet who owns a Spectre who has said, oh yeah, I'm sure they used whatever heat treat that they feel like at the time, you know? Like, <laughs> I've, I've yet to see that, so, I don't know. And, and, you know, it's interesting to me because doing that would make 
Norsemen production faster too, right? If you just outsource absolutely. the heat treat. Oh, absolutely. Um, but, you know, and you guys make way more Norsemen than, you know, the Holtz make Spectres, obviously. Um, so it's just interesting to me that, or do, do you not? I mean, it seems to me like there's more Norsemen than there are Spectres. There definitely is. They're they're cranking them out pretty pretty fast, though. That's true, yeah. But my, my point being that, you know, I was just surprised that their only reason for using stack was, you know, turnaround times. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Like, I would never consider using a heat treater that I thought would be inconsistent just to get the knife out faster. But yeah. Um. Anyway, should we move on to the main topic, though? Yes, after the break. Oh, let's go ahead oh, and take a break, break first, okay. yeah. yeah. All right. So we'll be right back. And we're back. So moving on to the main topic. Um, Jake, do you want to... Yeah, so this topic? one's from Jim. Um, he asked, how do you choose what to carry on a given day? For example, um, the size of the knife, the clip functionality, pocket presence, uh, the best blade for your intended purpose. So just kind of what determines what you're going to carry for that mm -hmm. day, what you're doing that day, all that stuff. Uh, so who wants to start off? I'll go. Um, I'll start off. <laughs> for me, being at school, it actually depends on how many classes I'm going to a day. <laughs> what? So um, <laughs> I don't like to carry something huge in the pocket like my Swish when I'm going to like a ton of classes because I feel like that when people see it in my pocket, I feel like it can be kind of intimidating or something, you know? Um, so I try to carry something smaller if I'm going to a ton of classes that day. Um, and then if it's only like one class, I'll just carry whatever I want. Um, I don't know. I just don't like to scare people. I know some people would be like, Oh, I don't care. Like it's within right. legal limits, legal no, limits I of your school. I just don't like to scare people because I know that some yeah, people exactly are afraid. Some people are afraid of knives. Um, How many nice people really recognize like you have a swish in your pocket though? <laughs> well, no, and, but they they can sometimes see the uh, the size of the clip or if there's yeah. Like sticking yeah, out. people really notice that stuff. Like they're looking at your pockets. Like what what are uh, they trying to look at when they see that? It's very rare, but I've had it well, happen a couple of times. It's usually knife people that recognize, them. right? <laughs> and they're not yeah. gonna care. Yeah, no, but like if you're standing up on the bus and my hip is. Face right. level with someone, and they're just staring directly ahead at it. At you know, your like, well, <laughs> well, they wouldn't be staring at like I'm like perpendicular <laughs> to them. Um, I just you know, and there's just like I don't know. It's just like if you're walking into a class, you walk by. Like I have uh, I have a lot of classes where it's just like 300 people in one auditorium. Um, several classes like that. So I don't know. I, I mean, I I I just don't like people to be afraid i, I know fair. you know like how many people are gonna notice it i don't know but it's better if, to I, not was, be noticed, if I was a regular person and i saw the swishes clip in my pocket like it sticks out of your pocket it's obviously not a pen you know <laughs> yeah like, you can't say that they can't you know they think it's probably they're probably gonna think it's a knife you know I, okay i i think we're a little too scared of that because I, before I knew anything about knives, I definitely could never imagine 
that like a clip would mean a knife like ever i would just i wouldn't even know what it was i'd just not care like i'm, I'm not used gonna to it around here because everyone carries a knife right but like i'm talking about like you know your average millennial in like the west coast or east coast like in a city like they see a clip they're not going to think it's a knife they're just going to be like oh he's care like he has something in his pocket but then they're also not going to think that much about it because you're just a stranger they don't care about like I don't know. That's my take. I mean, I have literally never had a single person who's not already into knives be like, hey, what's in your pocket or think that. Right. Like, this has never uh, happened to me. Well, no one's going to accuse you of having a weapon to your face. I mean, has that ever happened to you? Like, has anyone ever actually been like, are you carrying a knife? Like, yeah, see, for, yeah, it for has. Me, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> like, someone because... who's not into knives or doesn't know about knives. I mean, yeah. This is what I've talked about this on the podcast before where I've talked about. No, oh, I'm carrying a knife, and they're like, "Oh, what do you use that?" No, for? but you Is told them like, that. Like I'm saying, did they notice without you telling them? Yes, that's what I said. I just said that <laughs> they they pointed it out to me, and they're like, "Is that a knife?" And they, but they didn't know about knives. That person. No, I just there's, said that. I keep saying there's that no way. No, I don't believe it. There's no way. <laughs> what do you mean you don't believe it? Brian lives in a in his head. He Maybe does. Yeah, well, don't, that's true. I mean, I'm telling you the truth. I don't care what you say. I mean, uh, what do you mean you don't That can't it? be common at the very least. Like, that's sure just gotta, not common. That's gotta that's be the rarest thing common. Ever. Who cares? I'm just saying that yeah, I yeah. think of... I'm saying I think of other people before I think of myself. I, you know? I think it's a bit different. Um, like, uh, if I were on a school campus, I'm probably not gonna carry anything, like, large or noticeable at all anyway. Yeah. But I think just, like, at least for me, like, when I go out, I'm, I never go anywhere where it's like restricted so i just kind of care what the hell ever right yeah um, but if yeah. you did have to be a bit more cautious about it you know I, I could see that i mean i don't i don't think anything's gonna like i don't think anybody's gonna like try to call the police or anything like that especially since like where i go to school like there's not really any real like legal uh requirements on knives like for the campus um, and a lot of times, like, I'll be sitting in class and there's a guy in front of me on his laptop looking at guns and stuff like that. So that's probably <laughs> scarier. That's probably scarier. But, you know, then I'm, I'm like, man, that, I'm like, what is that guy doing? He's just sitting in there the front were... of the class looking at guns. I'm like, there's all these people around me who are pretty, you know, I go to a big university. A lot of people aren't really big gun people. I'm like, I, I guess he's not thinking of it. Of, uh, scaring people, so maybe I shouldn't worry so much. But I, I usually just think about my image um, and how I want to be perceived. So that's just you know me. Yeah, it's all subjective. Yeah. And mm. I really feel like it's a lot of geograph or geographical too, because where you live. If you're in the south, I feel like um, it's pretty normal to carry a knife. It is, dude. If if you're not carrying like a big assisted gas station knife yeah. around here, because <laughs> especially like. It, um, for most, there's a lot of like physical laborers down here. All of them carry knives. Like yeah. I, I've I've owned at least crappy knives like almost my entire life. Right, my whole yeah. family yeah. every single day carries knives. Mm -hmm. But um, if you if you don't have something like that, <laughs> you're kind of laughed at. Like um, I had a a bird finch. Mm -hmm. It was one of the first like decent ish knives that I got, and I, I pulled it out to show my brother, and he's like, "That's that's too little to do anything with." And I was like, "That's that's kind of discriminatory." <laughs> <laughs> it's not well, the size you know, of the blade. Like, but... so at my hometown, I can carry whatever I want. Really, um, you know, I don't have any issues carrying whatever. Uh, it's just, and in my college is pretty fifty-fifty conservative liberal. So, like, I don't really have yeah. to worry because it's an agriculture school. 
And that's um, pretty high ratio for around here, honestly. Yeah, yeah, definitely. For it's not like it's um, you know, Chapel Hill, UNC Chapel Hill would be a much um much more liberal school that would be more afraid the people would be yeah, more yeah. afraid of knives. Um I just, you know, I don't I just think about like if someone if it were to ever happen uh where it, some, it's better where, to to not have it happen at all. Ever. That's what I, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, I yeah, sure. And I've had people like talk, you know, I've, I've had, I've talked to people at college before about it and I could tell it made them uneasy and I'm like, Oh, I don't really want to make anybody uneasy, you know? So, um, man, you know what? College people are weak though. They need to be, they need to feel a little uneasy from time to time. <laughs> I mean, when I was, when I, when I was going to college, like, I mean, where I went, like people, people are really like that. Like they're super like, Oh my God. Like, space. Well, like I said, they didn't point it out. I, I show them. I'm just like, Hey, look what I'm right, carrying. Yeah. Be afraid. Yeah, I do that but, uh, <laughs> But, <laughs> I mean, well, then again, if you walk into my room, you'd see like knives stuck in the wall. So, I mean, whatever. Okay. but, uh, <laughs> but you know, I mean, like for me, it's just an opportunity to educate people. Like, you know, there's so many people who are afraid of things they don't need to be scared of. So right. I take it as a chance to tell people like, Hey, this is what I carry. This is why I carry it. I use it to do things that aren't killing people. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't been. I haven't been to jail yet. Like I'm just, yeah. you know, chilling. Yeah. Well, I mean, don't, like, don't, don't mistake what I said for me saying like, I pr- would prefer not to let anyone know about my hobby. Um, I just go about telling people in a much more like, Hey, so I just wanted to let you know, like I'm into knife collecting. And then it's like, but that, you know, like I go into why I carry knives. Um, but like, I'm not gonna, I don't know. I don't enter. I don't like the, go up to someone and then be like, what well, is that like a knife in your pocket? Like, why are you carrying that for? I only tell people that express interest in it initially. Like for example, if they're carrying a knife and they say something or yeah. they mention yeah. something, then I'll get into it. But nine times out of 10, I'm, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't say anything. It doesn't happen that it. often. <laughs> it doesn't really happen that often. And I, you know, I just, I don't know. It's not like, it's not like I have any reason to pull knives out like in class. Like, I don't know. Like I have like cut, uh, like a string off of a girl's um, shirt yep. before, but nothing like cutting strings off clothes is the number one indoor use for knives. For yeah, me. like I don't know if you're out and about, <laughs> like uh, at a class, like what are you gonna do? You know, like yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean um, that that yeah, that's 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 pretty useful. And mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, as far as class goes, like I mean, you should be just doing your class stuff, like focusing on the lecture or whatever. Anyway, like yeah, well, it's yeah. college, so <laughs> there there's are a lot some, of downtime. Well, you know, there are some people in the Discord I know that. T- their knives out and play with them in class. Oh I don't yeah. Personally don't don't, don't, me. don't know, me. I mean, I did that when I was in college, but I'm just saying <laughs> oh, you don't. What the hell? Yeah. Why are you? I do that. Either. It doesn't matter. What you do? Call I'm in trade school. So um, you can. The cops be like, oh yeah, I have a gun though. So well, so <laughs> well. See, you could. I wouldn't put it past someone in a 300 person lecture to oh, tell yeah, you. Well, to. Yeah, you have to be smart. You can't be like. Yeah. If you're in college, you wouldn't put it past someone to do that. Colleges already have a bad freaking stickerity in America, so don't be doing stupid things like that. But if you're like, if you were in the middle of class and somebody shouted like, "Oh, there's a knife!" You should just pull out your gun and point it around the room. <laughs> yeah. Man, look, listen. At the end of the day, everything you do just depends on like how are you perceived in the class. Like you know, right. like, I'm not taking out on the first day. It's like once people kind of know who I am. Like once, like I'm already friendly with the professor. Well, they'll even let no my dog gonna, in class. Like I have, I, three, I, I have three hundred yeah. person lectures, so it's not like I get really get to know the class, you know. Exactly. Yeah, well, not the not class maybe, but it doesn't matter. You just class. need to know the professor. 
It's all being aware. I don't get near that dang I'd, professor, man, in a 300 person class. No, I, no? I, I never talk no, to professors. No, I don't. Well, I mean, you won't talk to you or like you just don't want to talk to a 300 person lecture professor. It's like all, I don't know. He just walk up to him. You say, "Hey, man, I, I like knives." Why do knives. I want to tell? Them? Wait, why talk. would I tell them that? That's dumb. Why would I tell them that? <laughs> just walk up to him, say that, and walk away. <laughs> <laughs> whatever. I just like talk. I mean, whatever. When I was in college, the only entertaining thing was talk to professors, man. Whatever. That's oh, fine. No. I don't know. Um, I talked to like my molecular bio professors, my orgo professors. Like, I, I was busy okay. keeping I my head to down and studying. But I don't. I don't talk to them about knives. I talk to them about. Everything else, my life, my hobbies. Okay, 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 okay. Be- besides scaring the normies, <laughs> what makes you want to choose that knife to carry that? Day? Um, who cares what the normies think? Yeah, yeah who cares what they think? A big determining factor for me is how much I I've been liking it lately. Like, uh, the whaler's been all I've been carrying for the past few days because it's new, and that's just right. I, I like carrying my new stuff. Um, but a, a big thing for me, at least, is ergonomics. Like. Probably my favorite knife ergonomically is my Bison. So even though it's not the best slicer in the world, um, even though it's kind of big, it it works really, really well for me, and I can use it in a lot of different situations. So that's generally what I go with. Just kind of whatever doesn't hurt my hand. Yeah, I, I usually just um, now when I usually oh. just rotate them um, based on what I haven't carried in a while. Okay, I, that's I what I was going to ask. Is that like, you know... Is it like, um, do you just, like, for you, Jake, do you just carry what you like the most at the time until you get tired of it yep. and then do something else? Basically. Um, so, like, there's a lot of knives that I, I have no intention of selling, but I also haven't carried them in three months. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, uh, it's just whatever I, why, I feel like, why like haven't carrying you sold most them? of the time. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Because I, I like them. <laughs> That's I fair. like them when I, I like them when I do carry them. Um, That's fair so enough. This is kind of weird. Um, I only sell a knife. If I cannot see myself carrying it or using it, right. so those knives I still enjoy weird? carrying them or using them, <laughs> because a lot of people just keep knives that they don't oh, carry. I don't know. Well, yeah, well the only right. one I don't, I don't carry my Pilar, but it's a Discord knife, so um, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. So I have a I have a couple like that, but even like my sentimental knives, mm-hmm. I don't, I'm I'm carrying them. Yeah, like, I, don't, I don't care. I, the really only reason me. I would sell a knife is to buy a different knife, usually. That's typically, but I I just like to rotate my knives based on like I haven't carried this in a week and a half, so I'll put that in my pocket. Um, but you have few enough knives to. I you have fourteen kind of do now, that. so I have a decent size collection. So I could fourteen. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know how many do, I have now. Do Echo? Do you ever rotate within the same day? Like choose a different um, knife to carry out. Like change I've out, done that. change out. Like you change clothes. Uh, sometimes I not. I've done not that typically, uh, but. Sometimes, yeah. Uh, the situation really just varies. Um, it might just be that, like, I put uh, the knife I was carrying that day on the other side of my room, and then, like, th- there's another right. knife closer, you so lazy, I just put that in my pocket. <laughs> so it's, You've got, like, five on your desk. Yeah, and... it, it has gotten to that where I have, like, five out on my desk, you know, <laughs> just because I don't feel like put th- putting them in my um, display case. Because I have a display case. I actually... I have 12 right now on my desk in front of me. I have... Uh, let's say 6? So, 7? Well, seven. Oh, do, I, do I have the highest desk count? I, I, don't, know, have, many I only have two Brian? knives with me right now. So I only have one knife right in front of me because I'm not a weirdo. I'm, I only have one function. Sure, I remember. <laughs> Anyways, uh, you guys need to answer. Uh, Vex, what, what about you? What, what makes you carry a knife? 
Um, what makes me carry a knife or choose, choose a knife? knife for the day? I um, it takes me like ten seconds to choose. Like I literally just look at my case and I just you just grab one, pick one. Just I just random. grab one. Like I feel like it's not like I throw. Uh, well, I don't, like close my eyes or anything. I'm like, oh, I'm gonna carry. Well, that yeah, that's. I think that's a no. Thought. I feel like I think about that too. I do that a lot too. Sometimes where it's just like I don't know. I, it's like I have a limited amount of times in the morning. You know, a limited amount of time. So like I. I get up and then I don't have that much time to shower and get ready and go to class. So I just like, yeah, I just look at my display case and then just grab something and then put it in my pocket. You know, and normally it's a knife I really like because I, you know, my collection's smaller than a lot of people's. <laughs> so I don't know. Yeah. For yeah. me, this question is pretty interesting because I wouldn't answer it based on my current status uh, because obviously <laughs> I only have one knife to carry. But back in the day, I used to have like around 50 to 60 knives at a time. Um, and then, you know, back then it was really hard to pick what I wanted to carry every day. Like it was actually super hard because I had such a variety. I had everything from like Cold Steel Recon 1 up to my Thorburn. Mm -hmm. So like deciding what to carry on a given day, especially because I don't care about the normies. I don't care about pocket presence. Like all I care about is like what's fun at, for that mm -hmm. day. And so it would be really hard to decide. So what I came up with is... I want to get to the point where I have 20 knives that I love. And then between those 20 knives, I want to have a D20, like a dice, you know, that you use for like Dungeons yeah. and Dragons and then just roll. That'd be pretty dope, actually. Yeah, I'll just roll it yeah, and I then like I'll that. decide randomly which That's one I want to carry. Because if, if I'm if I'm narrowing down my collection of 20 knives that I love and I ha there's no restrictions, like because if, if they're in that 20, I love them that there's no significant flaw. There's no reason I'd pick one over the other. Then I'm just gonna pick randomly. Mm. That's like that's um, my take on I'm it. I'm glad yeah. you brought up pocket uh, pocket presence because that's actually something I think a lot. So, uh, you know, like I said about the classes thing, I actually do think about uh, deep carry. I do. I really like deep carry in general. I feel like that's something I've heard a lot of people say. Oh, I don't care if it's deep carry or not. But if I'm going to like work or mm. something like that, like when I worked in the office, um, deep carry was borderline a must. Um, nowadays I, I, don't, like I don't care anymore carry. but yeah if you're going somewhere where it kind of i just I feel like it feels more uh, secure personally i don't know if it's just because i wear i, I think I, it's I because i wear that. sweatpants and it's i wear a lot i wear a that lot of sweatpants right so it's oh dude deep carry for sweatpants yeah because is a like i feel like it's such a looser and not tight material that i would i almost sometimes worry that something like my pm2 might fling out my pocket by accident or something or um yeah. Oh yeah. So you know, um, that's just. Now that I think about it, I've only had one situation where someone like said something about one of my knives because I don't like I said I don't give a shit. I'll pull out my knife anywhere, not like mm -hmm. at a like a normie convention or something. But <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was at a restaurant with my ex, and you know how steak knives at restaurants are just dog shit. It's just they're just serrated. <laughs> they're, they're not even just serrated. Yeah, they're just garbage. So trash. I pulled out my I had a Shirogorov Hatiar at the time. And that's a, Jesus that's a big Christ, right there. man. Like, <laughs> and I just, I didn't like be a small brain and start cutting on the ceramic plate, obviously. Yeah. You could, you took it I, off um, and put it on a napkin, right? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly put it on the Put it on that breadboard. And this dude next to me is like, dang, dude. He's like, do you need a knife that big? And I just look at him I'm like, yep. <laughs> <and that's all. laughs> uh, well, you know, to be fair, that does kind of look like a steak knife, you know, or like a kitchen knife. Yeah, it's big. Uh, I feel like a lot of shiros. I mean, yeah, it's just a flat ground knife. Like, it's I feel like a lot of shiros yeah. look to like be fair, kitchen I've knives. So. I've legitimately considered taking my booze blade smoke to mm -hmm. dinner just for that. Well, 
because I, I dread See, I never feel self-conscious about my knives anywhere but, but school. That's, you know, that's just me. Um, yeah, that's, that's I feel like that's fair. Player, I think. Um, most other places, I don't care, especially my hometown, like, I don't know. But a lot of times I feel like out and about, I don't have many reasons to pull out my knife. Um, I, the, yeah. Oh, so I used to actually carry a neck knife every day. And uh, let me tell you the uh, the me- or the ph- with you that sounds like philosophy. It'd be a fucking disaster. So I even did this at college for a while. <laughs> but um, yeah, right. Uh, so anyways, I carried a neck knife um for probably like four or five years, a long time. Um, and really, the only little reason for that was I was just like, well, I thought one, I thought it was cool, and two, I was like. If I was ever in a car accident and my legs got chopped off, at least I would still be able to rip uh, rip out my uh, neck knife and cut off my seatbelt or something. You know, just something like oh, something man. like dumb like that. <laughs> um, no, if my if I lost my legs, I'd just end it right there. It's well, over. you know, or your like legs are broken or something like that, or like they're crushed in. Or I've never actually broken. A bone I haven't either. Before, so if I break a bone, it's over. Yeah. So. Um, Anyone who's broken a bone has <laughs> oh, to leave this no. podcast. Oh, bye. Oh, God. I broke my leg twice in the same spot. See, you gotta leave. That's a a weakness there. Um, Yeah, you can't do that. uh, I was like like four years old. I actually carried a a neck knife very, very briefly, but it kept getting caught in my chest hair. Like the little, uh... Well, mine had like that little, uh... God, it's that necklace style. It's just like the little circular bead thingies that... Um, Dude, those that was horrible. The beads, so the damn beads bad. suck, but they're good because like the philosophy is that it, those beads are sp- supposed to be breakable, like the little links in between them. So like if someone ever tried to rip it off your neck, they would break, and it wouldn't. Is that wouldn't the hang kind you. of, uh, is that the kind of chain that you have uh, on your neck now? My first one, yeah, but then I changed it to paracord because um I. I got. I was like, paracord's cool. I'm 17. Um, <laughs> oh, Jesus uh, Christ. But, <laughs> yeah. Now I know Echo said he's not self-conscious about knives. I am. I'm very self-conscious of my knives. Um, when I'm going out, if I even suspect there's a possibility that a person I'm meeting might be into knives, I need to take my nicest knife out to flex. Like that's just how it is, man. <laughs> like, I'm, not, I'm not gonna pull out like some. I'm not pulling out the recon one when I might be like, if my, if I'm like meeting my friend's friend and I don't know anything about him, I'm gonna assume maybe there's a chance they might be into knives, you know. And I'm not gonna show them my recon one because that's that's kind of lame. Like, I'm not saying right. recon one's lame, but I'm just saying like, For you. you know, I want. I, I actually uh, went to Smoky Mountain Knife Works this like two or three days ago. And when we were going on the trip, I the same thought. I was like, I gotta carry something really nice, just, right? just yeah, in case yeah, anybody exactly. asks gotta, me. So I'm super self conscious of my knives. Like when people, if if I'm gonna show someone my knife, I want it to be like something I'm proud of showing, um, irrespective of like you know, is it scary to well, some people or whatever. I just mean like if I'm like personally just very happy with the knife. I don't and think I, I show own any knives that I would be self conscious of showing someone. Like in that respect, I have many. Really. <laughs> I, I don't know. I guess because I have such a small collection, I only buy what I really, really like. I'm actually looking at one right now. The CRKT CEO. If I pull this out, somebody, oh, like, what the God. hell are you doing with that? I mean, like, I mean, for me, I like, have the, my, you know, I have the Micarta one though. Is the reason I like it. Well, so here's an example. Like, I'm carrying the the GT right right now, right? Um, right. I wouldn't want to walk around with a clone. I'm not saying all clones are bad or whatever, but just me personally, like. 
I'd like to carry something that's like real, or you know, that represents like a real maker would, or something. Would, you know what I mean? I would agree, but I just wouldn't. I don't like. I mean, would you want to go into Smoky Mountain Knifeworks with a clone mouse in your pocket? Like, you know? uh, the funny, <laughs> th- they actually sell a bunch of yeah. clones and mom. Okay, I, I don't know. I, was, yeah, I didn't know. I didn't know. That, but, uh, I'm just saying, like, generally See, for me, speaking, I wouldn't like, even buy a clone. Yeah. Um. So. Well, exactly. Buy this, right. but yes. Uh, I, that's that's the thing. Like, I only buy. Didn't Shiro Gorov get mad at them or CKF? Someone got really mad at Smoky Man. Someone did. Shiro's yeah, I don't know. Got to be like the most cloned company on. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah. It's poor, uh, poor guys. What about but, you, uh, Sky? Oh, oh, you know what? Oh, I was gonna oh, say we're gonna no, go let ahead, Sky, Sky go uh, talk about what makes him choose a knife on a day. Mm-hmm. So, like a couple of you guys, I, I. uh Dress for the flex, I suppose. I carry something that I would be mm-hmm. more than happy to show off to somebody. Uh, going to trade school and working at Grimsmo, I don't ever really have to care if somebody notices a knife in my pocket. That's like, a, ever. It's more of a work environment, like, kind of, right? It's a knife. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I'll, I literally take my knife out and show it to my prof, and I'm like, check this out. And he's like, cool. That kind of thing. But, <laughs> okay. Uh, when cool, I'm, that if away, I'm dude. like just going out, Actually, the the biggest thing is pocket space because I carry a ton of shit. I have like a, <laughs> <laughs> I have five pocket clips at all times. And what are you kidding? Lord, you on, I? Uh, <laughs> just I usually wear jeans or work pants. Honestly, I carry a main like a modern folder with a clip. I carry a a fancy flashlight with a clip, a pry bar, a pen, and a key bar. Oh, what do you do with a? And sometimes you're a slip. You carry a pry bar. Right? What do you do with that? Yeah. Uh, oh, I wonder when is he doing that? Uh, so it's like a bottle. You carry a bottle <laughs> opener, is basically. Yeah, when have you yeah, actually uh, um, like, opened like a? Well, I would say ninety nine percent of the time I use it for popping staples out of stuff, mostly cardboard boxes and like. Wood. I actually think that uh, me and you carry about the same stuff because I have a pry bar, bottle opener, a flashlight. I carry a pen. I carry typically two knives, but one of them's clipless, yeah. and I keep it in my watch pocket. Yep. Um, but I only have two pocket clips. I have my modern or my larger knife typically with a pocket clip and modern um and then i have my pen with a pocket clip but everything else is on my keys like my flashlights on my yeah, keys my bottle opener i can't do that key bar life those key bars are pretty nifty looking i'm not gonna lie They're i can't fit my keys nice. on a key bar like my car key won't fit mm. like, well, like you you have to hang the key, like the fob yeah i'm not doing that mm. not too it i don't drive yet really what how come Lucky. Oh, hold on. Hold the How presses. come you hold don't drive presses. yet? Harney. Oh, sorry. I don't have my Why license. Uh, I, haven't I don't know. I'm just curious. My driving I'm just test curious. Yet. <laughs> Why not? Like, Literally because <laughs> I haven't done it what's, yet. You that's, know how that's to drive? It. I can drive, yeah. Uh, what's the, what's the holdup? <laughs> like, why haven't you gone and done it? Um, Time. Let's just. Dude, why are we growing well, about this job? Let me send, yeah, let me send uh, John an email and tell him to give not 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 give you any work until you go get your license. No, uh, that's not important. Look, money. I got I got real important news. This is like on top, well not on topic, but uh um Harney sent me this on Discord just now. He said Japan approves Uh-oh. first human animal embryo experiments. Oh, I saw that yesterday. Was that oh, Genetically modified cat girls. Anyway, are coming. <laughs> yeah, just kidding. <laughs> it's true though. Ryan, it's true. You're going to be 50 before she's 18. Let's continue oh, the podcast. No. Anyways, um what about blade shape? Blade shape. Oh, blade shape oh. matters a lot, actually. Really? That's, yeah, I, I didn't even think about that. You guys think blade shape matters a lot, too? Actually, I want to touch on this a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. So, I, as I said, I have a lot of knives on my desk. I actually have uh, 12, not 11. I, missed, I didn't count one. Um, 
but the blade shape to me, especially for a lot of the knives that I keep on my desk, does matter. Um, because I typically keep one or two specifically for opening packages and letters. Um, so a, I, I have a Tonto. Don't yell at me. Um, on this super little bay rhino. And I like using that Tonto tip, like that kind of almost 90 degree tip. Wait, why would anybody, why would so, anybody yell yes. at you for having a Tonto? Because everyone uh, hates people Tontos people and y'all can all look screw at the, off. Look at the uh, um, Chris Reeves Knives uh, Sabenza Tonto. Like, that just looks fantastic. True. I'm sorry. Like, who cares if it looks... There's good Tontos and there are bad Tontos yeah, out there. I don't, I don't think, like, I don't well, think it... People should think less of someone for having a Tonto. So, <laughs> so the, the situations where blade shape matters for me, if I know I'm going to be cutting a lot that day, I have, like, a, cutting a lot of cardboard and stuff that day, I pretty much have to carry a Warnie. Like, that's just, like, the best for me, in my opinion. Um, yeah. If I, if I know I'm going to be going to a friend's house to cook or something... Um, not that yeah. I'm gonna cook. I just cut the stuff. <laughs> yeah, I was about but, to say like, um, yeah, they, they just like cut this. So, you know, I don't, I don't want to use their normie kitchen knives. I pull out, you know, full flat, um, a lot of belly, that kind of, you know, Spidey pocket. chef. Yeah, Swip yeah, yeah, out. maybe some something like that, you know, but something with a lot of belly, a low blade angle, and um, that's thin. You know, that's what I want for um for those kinds of situations where I'm gonna be cutting food. Um, but yeah, I mean. A big thing also being that, like, you know, how much ergos matter to me. Like, I, n I never, I would never own a knife that has bad ergos, but some have better ergos than others, obviously. Yep. Um, yeah. So, you know, when I'm going out to, like, for example, when I went to go get a bunch of cardboard for my, which I never ended up using really, but I got a lot of cardboard <laughs> and I had to process all of that. Like, I wanted a knife with good ergos. Um, so I took my abstruse, right? It's small, but it cut plenty, right? Still was able to cut all that cardboard. Um, and you know, and it's basically a warning. I'm mm -hmm. very close to a warning. So that's why I took that. So yeah, it does matter a lot, it, actually. Yeah, I, it does matter a it lot. It matters, to me. Um, uh, just not to me personally. Um, because, like, I don't know, like, a lot of my blade shapes are mm, not too different, I don't think, really. Like, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't really have anything yeah. like weird that would be like yeah, useless. So, like, for me, it's just like, see, I don't cut that much in general. Like I just cut usually open. I'm opening packages or opening mail, or cutting like smaller things like strings or whatever. Like I don't. I just don't cut like like I don't cut like a hundred yards of cardboard like some people, you know. Um, or mm -hmm. like when I when I used to work at the grocery store, I would um be cutting open just like a saran wrap plastic that they use to wrap around like uh when when they have like a bulk of canned goods. It'll be wrapped. I yeah, so I'll, I'll cut through that. But, you know, obviously oh you don't need God. anything too crazy. Um, oh, you know what people will give me shit about, but that actually matters to me, um, is weight. Really? So, a lot of people are like, oh, the Dude, weight doesn't matter. Belt, bud. They're like, you can't tell the difference between three ounces and six ounces. And, the, and, you know, I live in California. A lot of times we wear elastic waistband shorts. That's, like, kind yeah. of, like, very common. <laughs> if I wear I six ounces... Three ounces versus six ounces is a difference between my pants falling down no, and my I, pants. I staying agree up. with you, Brian, because like, I wear sweatpants in the uh, winters and uh, shorts in the summers, and that's all I wear. Barely wear jeans. So for yeah, jeans, well, I disagree with both of you. Wear pants for jeans. It's useless. But I'm wearing basketball shorts right now, and if I put my whaler in my pocket, they're well, coming. Well, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I feel like like even if you tie it, it's just like you're having you have a big fat lump in your pocket, and it's just flopping around. Like my O five six two. 
Like, like just put <laughs> oh, like put my right. 0562 in my gym shorts. It's just like flopping all over the place. You know, I guess. Yeah, because the material is flimsy. Yeah. So while you're moving, it'll like hit yeah. your leg. Like it's just really it's annoying. Just, like it's not uncarryable. Smacks into but, doorways. Like yeah, yeah. It's so, yeah, so yeah, yeah. I don't wear shorts ever. Literally ever. That's I wear you're work you pants live and in, jeans. You live in winter. <laughs> no, it, we get like 110 degree weather in the summer. And I wear work pants and jeans Why? and not a belt. Do you hate yourself? Because, yes, I do. <laughs> I'd rather be. I need those pockets. Hey, you belt. know what? I, I always wear a belt. Cargo yeah, I wear a belt thing, every dude. day. Cargo shorts. I don't thing. like shorts though. No, I respect Sky's choice Sky of suffering like in order to carry what he wants. <laughs> That's what, I, I respect it. He'd rather uh, wear long pants and carry what he wants than wear short pants. And uh, I was gonna yeah. say something about blade shape. Oh, the. The whole main reason why I started carrying two knives is because I carried my Norseman for like a year when I first got it, right? I, like I basically haven't carried my fight since I got mm. the Norseman, but um, that the Norseman blade shape is is in my opinion probably the best blade shape for like shop use for like cutting cardboard and like rubber tube and scraping stuff and opening kind of like opening boxes and that kind of stuff. But it you absolutely cannot do food prep with it at all, so. I started carrying a slip joint because it's right. gets a nice patina and it's small and inconspicuous and non-threatening and right. it's thin um, for food prep. No, just know, carry a chef knife. Said, and a sheath. I didn't actually think about that, but you're right. The <laughs> Norseman is just going to be god awful for food prep, isn't it? Like you just can't yeah, use yeah, it. Yeah, it's like what are you going to use work. the um the the you Tonto, use the tip. Sponto part of it. Both of you are completely the wrong. Kisaki, so, 40, for example, if you're cutting a potato, just hold it in your hand with one with one hand, and then you kind of swing at it with a Norseman. <laughs> just make sure you're over a plate. I mean, that's plenty of room. Well, that's going like, to cut up meat. That's why I like the calf pen so much. Right, like lately. Same thing. Hold the meat, just flop it in front of you, tie it to a string, like didn't do it, Lynn Thompson style. Both hands <laughs> on the Norseman. Oh yeah. And then put your body into it and really, really swing. And put a bucket underneath. Just um, collect it. <laughs> yeah, collect all the dri- the drippings. So what about you, got, you? Do y'all take in account like opening mechanisms? Maybe that's a interesting one. Nah. Uh-oh. Uh, yes, because I can't have assisted or automatic. Okay, that's in fair. Canada. Yeah. Well, so I mean, but once you have already established what you're gonna own, then you don't take into account, right? Probably. Right. Okay. Uh, yeah. I, I do actually. Um, if I'm, uh, depending on where I'm going. Um, if I really am paranoid about like freaking somebody out, I won't take it out the front automatic just because they're loud. Oh yeah, taking out like a Ultra Tech. Um, like, imagine being in like I don't know, being in the yeah, library. No. Like let's just say you're in your local library and you take out an Ultra Tech and you're like, no, no, that's not. That even down here, like OTFs are still kind of like, oh, what the hell is that? Um, right. So that that's about the only thing I really I'm like. It's kind of funny because you're in South Carolina, but, which is even more uh, conservative with their knife laws. You know, gun people love OTFs. Yeah. They love them. Um, you know what? Very I few lied. people down here have them though. There's there are some exceptions actually. I don't like certain. Um, maybe not just the opening mechanism. I'm also referring to like the bearings and stuff versus washers. Like, I, I think about that when I decide what to carry. Like, if I'm going somewhere dusty mm-hmm. and stuff. I know people say, oh, you know, it never gets in the bearings. Mm-hmm. It, for me, it does. Like, I oh, actually have to wash out totally the bearings. Does. I had so, to clean my Roosevelt today because it was it had grit in the bearings and the pivot just from cutting up, like, dusty, um, like, plastic. Yeah, I mean, I took oh, wow. my, um, I've taken my Thorburn um, to, what's it called, to Sand Dunes, ATV riding. Mm-hmm. 
Oh god. Um, I've taken it rock Why climbing. Why the hell would you do that? Because it was the only knife I had for a while. Um, I, I'm in this situation a lot. So, uh, I wonder why. So, so yeah, I got really dirty. Like, you know, that happens. And if I had a washer knife at the time, I probably would have taken that instead of Man, a burner. I, I don't know why, so. but I feel like I've gotten more crap into washers that has destroyed the action than I have bearings. I don't know why. Like when I had that pass around shaman, I literally sat it down onto a grassy patch, took a picture of it, picked it back up and then, uh, like, you know, disengage the compression lock immediately, extremely gritty action. I was like, what? I was like, <laughs> I feel like the shaman in general is sort of like that. Why? Though. Because you think it's got a lot the of the shaman. Movements. The problem is those clip holes. Yeah, no, those clip holes are right there at the like, you can see the freaking washer through it. Yeah, there's that. So. And there's also like, I, I don't know that the tolerances are as tight, maybe as some spider really? clothes usually are. Like, it just seems a little like. That's how they felt to me overall. Um, I felt I've handled quite a I few. I didn't like the shaman. shaman. I just feel like so that's why you know. I don't yeah. like. The and shaman so that was either. annoying because I had so, to go and like run underneath hot water because like it wasn't mine. It was the first pass around we did, and you know I didn't want to take it apart. <laughs> really yeah, did. well, there's there's a lot I like about the shaman. It's just that I don't like the action. Yeah, because like, the ergos are great, you know, and stuff like that. In my but, opinion, I liked the action on my crew carta, but it didn't fit my hand like the, it was just wasn't usable oh, yeah it's yeah. tiny it, my hands are tiny compared to it um, um another actually, another thing is um i was gonna steel. bring that up um now oh yeah yeah blade steel for sure naturally we all don't carry we all probably don't own at least like or don't currently buy certain blade steels that we don't like but even among blade steels that we do like you know i'm not gonna take my like well, when I owned it, right? Like, I'm not going to take, like, my, you know, M4 um, Spyderco Air before I killed it to the beach, right. you know? Like, yeah. Blade Steel's the thing I think the least about. Well, you know, Jake, you and I live in the Carolinas and they're temperate climates and we don't have to worry about anything like yeah, that. Yeah, like, like, yeah. I don't really have to worry too much about. Now, Brian, for sure, like, anything that rusts, mm -hmm. I would probably avoid. Yeah. If I were you. Personally, but... for me and Jake, we don't have to worry about, like, rust from moisture in the air or anything like that um yeah i deal with that it gets yeah. humid as fuck here in the um, summer even yeah. where i go to school it gets pretty humid but it's uh it hasn't been so humid that anything's been affected even on like my d2 which is probably my i think my d2 i have is probably my least stainless um steel Retool. So, um, <laughs> i just care about how long it could hold a fine edge because the things i cut i usually i usually just cut shrink wrap oh yeah so you're right so i will edge. think right. about steel yeah. it's really all if i'm cut. actually gonna pick up something and do a lot of work i do think about that because i would prefer if i'm gonna just cut like a bunch of cardboard one day which is, there are some days i do that like when i have a bunch of packages and i just want to break them down you know put them in the recycling then I'll think, oh, do I want to pick something that I'm going to have to sharpen after? Or do I want something that I can use and then it's still pretty sharp after all this cardboard? And usually I I do the if one If I do sharp. that, I usually pick something that I can strop back up yeah. really yeah. easily. And about I'll do it about a third of the but way But I'm not going to pick up D2 uh, and do that, you know what I mean? No, exactly. that, no. See, that's why I like S35 because it holds a fine edge pretty decent for what it is and it's easy to get it back. That's what I've been liking about the AEBL, honestly. Like, yeah. I cut mm -hmm. so much plastic wrap today, and it just killed it. Like, it's 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 also ten thou behind the edge, so it's like the geometry helps a ton. Yeah. Was that allow me to bring you guys to the church of D two? 
Um, we have what's called uh, a toothy edge, right? And uh, it's very nice because it does what's called the biting. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I have this really toothy edge right now, and it's just like, it doesn't really cut that well. See, But here's the thing, it feels sharp when you touch it, though, but, like, it's not really. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's why they get confused. Maybe that's, I think that might be why people think D2 is good. Like, it's so easy to get a toothy edge, and that feels sharp when you touch it. And then they never actually cut anything mm -hmm. with it, so they never realize it's Well, the only food. reason people... I don't know, fibrous materials, they tooth the edge is, like, really good. Like, rope and That's shit true. like that we don't cut. Well, like, if, like, Maximet, you don't want to polish the edge. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. You want to take, like, Well, you know, my, my philosophy with Maximet was sell it before I had to sharpen it. That's what I did, but... Um... <laughs> um... <laughs> I need some rope to test this. Uh, D2. You know, Brian, the reason people think that D2 is good is because Nick Shabazz used to say it was good to go. And that was that. Uh, now he says it's okay in his recent reviews, but... I don't know. I think there's a difference between really good D2 and garbage. Well, that's, that's true, too, but I still think D2 is mediocre. That's true about every steel. Yeah. I, feel like I just generally avoid it. There's a few knives okay. I have with it, but I don't... I'm I don't know. Very not interested in D2 at all. Well, yeah, I think there's way better steals for the price. It just depends on the price, but we've already talked about that. Um, what about pocket clips? Uh, I know we kind of talked about deep carry, but what about, like, uh... Pocket clips are right. very, like, very there's, important to There's me. different, you know, um, there's, like, the milled pocket clips of, like, a solid milled piece of titanium, or there's, like, the just the regular, like, steel ones, or... So... Yeah, yeah. Like the bent ones. I mean, if it doesn't have a good pocket clip, I just won't own it. So yeah, me too. Another thing that I think is overlooked a lot, like okay, uh, Spyderco Little Native, have it right here in front of me. Love this knife. I love using it. I don't carry it that much though at the moment because it's the Spyderco wire clip, which is a perfect clip, but it's over like this ridiculously textured G10, and I can hear and feel it every single time I put it in my pocket. It is ridiculously abrasive. I hate when they put a clip that has high tension over a milling that's like will rip your pockets up. That's exactly you, that's yeah. The biggest I try to avoid that like, so so that? much. Did you not put it in your pocket when you made it? Like, <laughs> um, like I hate that. So dumb. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Honestly, there's not a lot that I consider though when I can like think about what to carry because most of those things are already filtered out in the process yeah. of becoming part of my collection. Right. Well, that's like. True. You know, like any any significant problems, like bad ergos. So at or, the end you know, of the day, it's like, like bad action. At whatever. the end of the day, it's like what knife? Yeah, like, what did? What made you buy that knife? You know, right? Right. Like that's closer to the question, I think. Sometimes, yeah. um, because you know, bad like things that are objectively bad. I won't. I just won't own it. You know, it's just not going to be in my collection. Yeah, it kills it. So well, you know, I think right, it just kills I think the there are Sometimes you buy something and you think it's going to be okay, but then it ends up not really being okay for you. Like the clip. Like, right, you know, with yeah. the clip situation, like, um, I don't know, like, so, the f one example, I think, is the Myrtle, right? So, like, you know, the Myrtle has an, a funky clip, and I, I yeah, it does. I the thought clip is it wouldn't awful. really bother me that much, but then, like, I, I would catch myself in the mirror, like, in the bathroom or something on campus, and I'm like, God, it just looks like I got some sort of weird dragon in my pocket or something. <laughs> People are like, what, what is this? You know, I don't know. Like, and then that, that kind of turned now, me off from the yeah. myrtle was, it's just, it's clip is bizarre. Um, that clip was dumb. What I will say yeah, is something is I, really ugly. something I plan for the future is, um, once I, you know, start like buying like, you know, a couple pens, wallet, stuff like that. 
I'd like to have matching sets. Mm-hmm. Right. I think it's just cool. Like, I like color coordination and stuff like that. Like, yeah. you know, carbon fiber, yes. whatever, like, and then just have your carbon knife also be carbon wallet. fiber. Sure. I mean, whatever. Well, I don't like that specifically, but, um, but you know what I mean? Like that kind of matching, like, so, like material or color scheme. I think that, that kind of stuff's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, or like, you know, if you're going, if you're going to go to like, say the aquarium that day with your nephew and, you know, you have a knife that has like anodization of a Kraken on it. Like, you know, that's cool. Right. Like I, I'd bring that on that day. So, you know, I match things to the occasion sometimes. Um, alternatively, there's things like special events where, um, you know, people know you're going to carry something like a knife, but you know, they don't know what you're going to carry. So if I'm going to a wedding, I'm going to carry like, you know, hopefully a slippy or something, you know, something cl- uh, classy, um, that fits the occasion. Um, not that people would require me to, or get mad at me if I brought like a modern knife, but just yeah. for me personally, well, it works better in dress pants anyway. Yeah. For me personally, I would just want to do that because it feels like it feels right for the occasion. Oh yeah. And that, that, that matters yeah. to me too. So. I don't know. Like, is there any occasion where you change your carry just for that event uh, or whatever? Yeah, like, gentleman stuff. Like, if I was going to a, a um, um, like a some sort of fancy thing, like I would probably put my gent in my pocket because it's very small, form factor, gentlemany, carbon fiber looking. So that's what I would change based on, you know, because I wouldn't mm-hmm. put my. Um, like I wouldn't put a Spyderco in my pocket, like with the regular Spyderco, like metal clip, like, I don't know. I just prefer to have like the right. gent, uh, gent small form factor clip. And I pull it, if I ever pulled it out, it's kind of like if I was wearing like a suit or something like that, it seems kind of like it matches the aesthetic. I don't know. That's just, you know, I think some people think that way. It depends on what you're doing with knives. I know we have a lot of more, uh, people, yeah. people wouldn't yeah, I mean, be in that I mean, scenario. For me, it's like the feel but, too. Yeah. Like. If I'm going camping or, you know, rock climbing mm-hmm. or whatever, like I want to carry something that's like kind of beefy and like rugged. Mm-hmm. Not I I know I'm not going right. to use it. There's no situation really where I would need mm-hmm. to use it. But it's just but for you the don't feel. Like, get beat the up. gent, the gent yeah. is a knife I would carry to an interview, right? A job interview. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Whereas I would I don't carry knives to a job interview uh, for confidence, bro. I don't I would carry the gent and that's probably it because the clip is so tiny it looks like a pen. I I would carry it for confidence, you know, just knowing being knowing that I have the interviewer's uh, life in my hands. Mm-hmm. That's actually that's kidding. actually another thing. Jesus that's actually another thing because if I'm wearing a suit for an interview, uh, I will put the uh, the gent on the inner pocket because it. I don't own a suit, so you should. But anyways, <laughs> I know I also, should. Uh, you should. But they cost too much. I don't need a suit. Really what do I need a suit uh, for? This guy doesn't need a suit. Like. Three four hundred dollars. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Okay, so y'all don't understand. I'm okay with spending that much money on a knife. I am not okay with spending that much money on anything else. I'm sorry. Literally, I I had to buy me. I had to buy a new computer chair. Yeah, and I I literally sit in this thing for like twelve hours a day. I spent seventy bucks. (laughs) Yeah, right. On what? Like, Jake, I'm, you're I'm like, cheap Jake, you're like, I wouldn't spend three hundred dollars on a suit, and then you send me a seven hundred dollar fountain pen. Like, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's different. It's, it's different. It's different. I swear because to God, it one is. is cool. Yeah, <laughs> I like expensive everything. Sadly, uh, I can I can That's tell Vex. <laughs> um, yeah, Vex is just Vex is just mm-hmm. falling over there. Credit cards, um, them boys. <laughs> yeah i can't think of anything uh is there anything else y'all want to add because i can't really think of anything in relation to well you want to wear a, or what you would yeah, carry i can't think of anything else now um 
all black knife when you had a funeral. <laughs> if you're just oh, wearing yeah. underwear, um, carry something with high clip tension. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, obviously another thing to consider is for people who are, you know, working in a wet environment or going somewhere wet, you want something that has more traction. So that's something where it's like, I don't require that all my <laughs> knives have good traction. Like that's not a requirement to be in my collection. Right. Yeah. But if I'm going somewhere where it's going to be wet for sure, like I want a knife that's obviously not rust proof, the steel, but also like that has good mm -hmm. grip. So ideally yeah, I want like my, car my carter or something. Yeah. I don't, I don't want slick, you know, something slick when I'm going somewhere that's really wet or working in a wet environment. Well, I don't, I don't really Personally. like, I don't really go anywhere. I don't, I don't go camping that often or anything. I've, I don't pull out yeah. a knife when I'm wet. I'm mostly talking about the beach. I'm mostly talking about the beach. How often do you go to the beach? Oh, yeah, I guess you are in California. He lives Western in California. California. Well, the, the beach is only 30 okay. minutes away, so it's really yeah. like... Yeah, the beach I go is like a four-hour yeah, six hours for me. for me to go to the beach. And that's... Yeah, so for me, I go quite often. I mean, I lost the backlash at the beach, which was really sad. But what do you but, bring a knife um, to the beach for? Like, what are you going to do there? What do you mean? I always have well, a knife. I don't know. Like that would be the one place, one of the few places I don't bring a knife, just because it's like I would never bring a slip joint to the beach because you'll get sand. It's in like there I don't know. It's like what am out. I gonna cut <laughs> at the beach? Like, and especially if you. That's what I'm saying. It doesn't even matter if I'm gonna cut something. I just want it. Like it's part of well, me. Yeah. I don't know. It's not like you're gonna bring it in the water, are you? Are you gonna bring what? it into the water? Well, I did. That's how I lost it to the ocean. <sighs> okay. Jesus Christ, Brian. <laughs> oh um, I mean, dude, what if I get attacked by well, a shark or something, man? Prepare yeah, okay, like I'm not going to argue with you. That's actually a damn good point. If, if I were attacked by a shark, I would love uh, to have H1, a... H1, uh, one, one of your salt series knives. and uh, Yeah, no, just, just God, the, no. Uh, <laughs> H1 serrated yeah. dragonfly to fight a great white. Let's yeah. go. Actually, no. you probably... No, it, it would be great to serrated. fight a shark with an H1 uh, serrated knife. Yeah, it would be great. No, 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 no. It would be great. You could, uh, you'd be um, uh, use uh, hardening it. You know, like whatever. I don't. Actually, doesn't all joking or... aside, a serrated knife or something like that would probably be better, um, just because it would tear a bit more, um, which would leak more blood into the water, which may help you get away <laughs> a little bit better. Um. We'll talk about yeah. shark fighting in the next uh, episode. Well, is there <laughs> anything else you guys want to bring up, or should we wrap up this episode? Oh, yeah, 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 okay. yeah. Let's wrap it up early. Okay, something. Okay. Oh, no, wait, 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 yes, Vex, go. go. <laughs> um, oh, Vex, go. Quick shout-out to the SA Shields. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Not like asked, this. I've been asked again. Oh, no. Let me give, up a, uh, give off a list. So we got Jay, Fufu, <laughs> Jetty, Lumen, Jim... Who am I missing? Tat. Tat. Frog. Frogs. He's... Yeah, Frog's a new member of the SA Shields. <laughs> These are all. Everyone. Jeez, I forgot hand. about that. He um, ascended. Now he's gonna be. He's going all downhill. Oh, yeah, now he's, he's a like, mod. He's, yeah, then he's an the SA knives. Right. So, These are all the people that. The these are all the people it. that like uh, South African knives, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mostly just the SA Shields. Yeah, mostly just the Scout, honestly. Like. <laughs> Dude, the scout, the Jason Guthrie knives is like a cult right now in the yeah, Discord. Yeah. Absolutely. Dude, six months ago, no one gave a shit about him. Now everyone's like, oh and my now God, everyone's dude. like, dude, here's my scout. I'm like, I'm technically on the man. books for a South African custom. That guy who apprenticed under JG. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, Marais. Yeah, Marais. 
Yeah. You know, um, <laughs> Jay yeah, probably fell the hardest for the SA shills. Oh yeah, recently yeah, sure. at least. Oh my God. We, he fell down the rabbit hole real fast. <laughs> that well, poor guy. Yep, he's he's way down. That he's way Since down. We're there. doing shoutouts. I will. I want to, as always, thank all of our patrons who humbly donate to the podcast. Oh, we didn't shill it this time. If you're not donating, well, I was, please that do. was what I was getting um, to. I, but yeah. I haven't eaten like two weeks. I haven't seen any tangible benefit yet, but I'm looking um, forward to it yeah, when I do. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm probably going to buy some um, soundproof uh, for everybody in the near future so everybody can get soundproofing. Um, I don't know. I'm hoping Brian will make use of that somehow. Maybe he can make himself a little booth or something. I don't know if he's going to want to... I don't know if he's going to want to put it on his walls. Fort. I think Jake... So I think I found out why the previous podcast my audio wasn't what? as good, but I don't want to tell oh, you because, so it's, because it's gonna make oh, me no. mad. Right? So it's all good. But anyway, I have another topic I want to talk <laughs> right. about. What? So um, this is with Sky. Uh, this is for oh, Sky. Okay. So for a lot of us who are probably listening, a lot of the listeners right now probably don't know much about traditional knives. Right. Um, how do, how do, how does someone get into traditional knives? Like start looking at like, you know, get a starter knife, you know, stuff like that. Oh, that's not easy. Yeah, I know. That's why um, I asked. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's I'm, like I'm looking question, at them right actually. now. I've been browsing. So Radius and Cutlery is a fucking rabbit hole. And if you Would you don't... recommend something like GC over the, at least for like uh, me, okay. the common example around here is like Case. Case is, is not... garbage. Don't even yeah, consider them not a company. Good. They're, they're like the bench made of. I feel like that's too. Uh, I, I feel like, like that was made. too uh, good. Uh, like bench. They're they're like there the CRKT you go. That's of a better example. <laughs> <laughs> I like CRKT more than I like Benchmade, but uh, anyways. Uh, I, don't I, don't know, I don't know if I do really. But... <laughs> so the the method that Grady's from Cutlery makes knives is they make a small batch, and it, it used to be different where they would make like ten different handle pattern or like 10 different handle materials and do like a couple hundred of each now they do like four or five different handle patterns and they'll make like a couple thousand of each but they're a lot easier to get than they used to be but they still sell out basically instantly unless you like are in with a dealer or like they have like 20 different distributors right and they don't sell them direct on their own website so you have to check your like your preferred distributor and hope that you get one um what you can do to try and get into slip joints is go to the Great Eastern Cutlery blog. It's like their managed website, and you can check what they have in production, and you can check literally everything. They have all their shield information. They have their tank stamp information, so you can know what pattern your knife is and when it was made. And they have all of their current pattern production information. Like, if you go on right now, you can see the uh, number 62 Pocket Congress that's running right now. I think it's just about finished up actually the stag came out like last week so how would you compare gec to like the similarly priced shat and morgan and stuff like that shat and morgan is shat. good <laughs> but their quality control is non-existent okay like case <laughs> yeah so so you would say like, gec is the top of the around oh yeah dollars production gec is easily the best uh like production slip joint Mm-hmm. Company. And, and you can get opinion, some though. like um I've seen the bullbuster around. No, almost it's it's objective. For, it's uh, objective. Under seventy, it's, it's objective. You'd be surprised how many people get angry when you say things about that, like that. How many? Uh, right. Are they truly production? I know they are production, but how much do they make when they make a knife? Like say the whaler. Thousands. Thousands. 
Uh, I don't know about the whaler because that was a couple of years ago. But as of 2019, I'm pretty sure they make thousands. Where are they located? Like, they're they're high batch, dude. Uh, Fake fan. Uh, I don't know off the top of my head. <laughs> um, I don't know okay. anything about America. I don't know where states are. So to be honest with you, where where am I at? I don't know. Uh, great. So Damn if you're it. picking a GC, they're, they're in Pennsylvania. Um, Ty- Pennsylvania. Titus okay, that's what I thought. So let's say you're picking pretty... a GC now, right? Like you've suggested GC, they're pretty much right. top of the line for this price point, about a hundred dollars for production slip joint. Now you're granted you're probably gonna get 1095, so there's no point even deciding between different steels for the most part. Yeah. Ninety nine percent of the time you're gonna get ten ninety five. They do some four forty C, but not in a long time and it's hard to get. So for your beginner, so, like your beginner who doesn't know shit about traditionals, how many blades do you suggest? Uh okay. So the there are people who only like one blade and there are people who only like whittlers which is like three blades and then there's the like in the middle where you have two and it's kind of weird i would say the majority of people start with one blade but if you really want to go like full traditional i would say get like a three blade or like a two blade because i i started off with only one blades but Mm -hmm. i got what was the first two blade pattern i picked up i picked up a 44 uh gunstock back in the summer and i carried that thing for like two months straight because it was just it's just such a good pattern and i i didn't use the pen blade for almost anything i think i use it I use it to open like envelopes and i use it to poke a hole like in the top of a plastic coffee cup so that it didn't like <laughs> so that i could actually get flow out of it yeah that was like the only couple times i used it but you'd be surprised like the calf pen has a uh, the spay blade and the warncliffe and i don't know if i've used the warncliffe i might have used it like i said to open like a package but that it's nice because it leaves the other blade clean for food prep and stuff like that. Ah, I see. That makes sense. So you sort of yeah. Like so you you have multiple duties. blades yeah. for different operations. And so when you get one blade dirty, they aren't close enough that the other one also gets dirty. No, there's a liner in between. Oh, but like in general, like not just the calf blade or the calf. No, blade. yeah, yeah. There, there's always a liner for well, not always, but it's, it's usually fine. Gotcha. On, on my whaler, for example, there's enough of a gap there to where they're not they're not touching. Yeah, they're each not other. touching. Mm-hmm. If if they're touching, it's there's a problem there. What that kind of hole do you recommend for someone who hasn't who doesn't know anything about like, um, um like you know like they're gonna try out their first knife? You don't want to make sure like you don't a wanna... six okay. hole of like a six is good in in my opinion. That's typically what I like. Mm-hmm. And I then can, okay. I, higher is not a problem for me anymore. Like I used to not use nail nicks at all. I used to just pinch the blade open and. I can I like I actually like nail nicks now, which is crazy to me. But like I I don't know if Jake if you use the nail nick on the Whaler main blade, but I do no. and it's fine. No, 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 I don't. <laughs> I, I I I pinch it right down at the tip of the blade and just pull it open. I I hate nail nicks on right. every single knife that I've tried. I I if I have a slip joint, I I have to be able to pinch it open. That's the thing like, too though is you can't really get a multi blade knife that's easily pinchable like the 44 nope. that i had you have to use the nail neck you can't pinch the only the reason open. you can do it with a whaler is because it sticks I'm, up like like i have a, a centimeter above yeah i have a case sod buster uh, that was my grandfather's and like sod buster i hardly know her what? anyways okay before, <laughs> echo i'm glad you think you're happy with nail nicks um i'll have to let you try out this whaler and and I'll see how you feel whaler. about them after that the pen blade nail neck is atrocious um, on the whaler it's not it makes the me want to kill myself. nail neck itself though. It's the spring tension because it's the, way too hard. The both blades are on the same spring, so it's mm-hmm. tensioned for the massive main blade. Mm-hmm. 
and even and the okay so the pen blade is thinner like the stock is straight up thinner so there's like a half liner it's really weird so you want individual so springs sometimes the, oh, okay. the it, only reason why it sucks ass for the whaler sizes. is because it's it's thinner than the blade so you have almost no tension pushing that thing oh okay yeah um, there's just no leverage there gotcha now can you explain like uh, what walk and talk means for the normies like what, me who don't know we kind of went over that is that is walk, that walk is the opening snappiness and like like action and mm -hmm. talk is is like the close like uh, this okay. become a traditional podcast. I thought we were <laughs> no, because I'm, 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 I'm right well. Now. This is a big tangent. Um, so I think I'm big boomer um, right now. You kind of cut off. <laughs> yeah. All right, here's my last question. How do I? You decide... dress like a dad. You have dad knives. Yeah. How do I, I can how, help you, Brian? How do I decide which is the best handle material for these GCs? Do okay. Want, so do I want the tortoise go acrylic? On a, go on a. <laughs> big tangent there's two different trims that GEC uses and sometimes they do a third one but the main two are Tidiute and Northfield Tidiute are like the the user trims so they're 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 generally less fancy and they'll they're wear better over time so you have satin blades satin bolsters like more stable handle materials like you get a lot of micarta and then there's Northfield where you get like wood and softer materials and you get a lot of a lot more brass polished blades ah, fancy bolsters yeah so i typically prefer northfield even for users just because i like the aesthetic more mm -hmm. um i would say go for bone or micarta i would say stay away from wood because it's soft and i dropped i've dropped the wood knife and pretty much destroyed it <laughs> okay so you're thinking like these like jig bone and stuff like that Jigbone is excellent. In, like it's probably one of my favorites now. Um, Micarta is what a lot of my collection is. Like, right. They do a well, lot of good in Micarta and Zeus. He does it well. I, I wanted to support the collector knives thing real quick, but I can't find any that I like. Panel <laughs> material wise. For GC. Yeah, Northfield. Um, like, okay, give me, give me a, a hot minute. Uh, um. You guys can keep Let's talking while I do, do wanna, this. Yeah. Do y'all want to wrap up the podcast yeah. while I search for knives? Um, <laughs> you can do that. You can yeah. do that. I don't care. I, I'm Please just looking right don't now. do this. Um, anyways, uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, anyways, before I got rudely interrupted, I would, I'd like to um, I would like to thank all of the patrons who support the podcast. Um, you know, we love all of you. Uh, I appreciate all. You know, everything that you donate goes directly to. Um, funding our website and funding the things that we need to make the podcast better. So I would like to thank Antec, uh, Zuzus, um, Bibbidi Bobbidi Baptist, Jim MD, uh, Gelden or Lodax, Moon Eyes, uh, G2HO, uh, Gundamaniac or Brian Light, Darth, J, uh, Mr. X Scarface, uh, Sung Says, Tat, Williams, um, and then uh, X Carolina. So think that's everybody i hope it's not i mean i hope i didn't miss anybody um if i missed you i'm sorry uh but yeah we appreciate it um if you want to donate to us you can go to um uh behind the edge podcast.com and go to the donate tab and you can either donate uh, uh subscribe to our patreon or do a one-time donation so anything you want to do helps we really appreciate it and uh yeah so uh, I guess 
We love yep. you guys. Stay tuned. I'll keep you guys updated on the catgirl slips in case um, our listeners want oh. those. Uh, don't you worry. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking out for you guys. All right. Well, we just lost the fans. <laughs> we will see you all on the next podcast. <laughs>